Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and otaku of all ages, once again it's time for an episode of ASO Radio. I am your host, NZ17, joined on this episode by... Z-Guy. And DB3. And we are bringing you a spectacular 15th anniversary reunion show. Guys, can you believe that it has been 15 years since that first episode on August 13th, 1999? That was a long time ago. Yes, that and was. Precise, right, 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 NZ? What was that, DB3? I said it was a long time ago. 10 years to be precise, right? Well, to be precise, it was 15 years. Oh, man. <laughs> and on that first fabled nine-minute episode of the show... It was only I hosting. Uh, T-Man had something or other pop up, and Z-Guy was, uh, well, basically Z-Guy was being Z-Guy. And so I was the sole one on the first episode, and T-Man was busy with his martial arts. So it was only nine minutes, but it was a groundbreaking episode in the early days of podcasting. So far back and so long ago, it was both before podcasting and RSS even really existed. Because it was before RSS existed, and therefore before podcasting could exist, since podcasting requires RSS, or Atom. But nobody uses Atom for their XML feeds of their episodes, so RSS. And Atom is even newer than RSS. So the point is, ASO Radio predates all of these things, and it has been a long and interesting road, I must say. In that time, we've gone from everything, and I do mean everything, being hand-animated. Not just people using Wacom tablets on their PCs to go and do the keyframes and letting the computer animate all the in-betweens, and then using 3D models and backgrounds to go and take care of a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean everything, every frame, every movement, hand-animated, to now today's crazy media fusion of various techniques all pouring together from American companies hiring Japanese companies and Japanese companies hiring Korean companies, and it's a real crossover smorgasbord these days in terms of animation and technology. The show is old, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to We were doing it before it was cool. That's true. As a matter of fact, back in the day, there was a handful of, shall we call them, anime talk radio programs, and at that time, there was... Uh, Anime Radio, now defunct and no longer on the web. There was Otaku Radio. Anime in the Limelight, they haven't done any new episodes in like eight years or so. Um, There was the right to play music on their show? Yes, they actually licensed the rights to play the music they had on their show, unlike uh, today's pirate radio broadcasters (laughs) with their shutcast streams and their devil may care attitudes. Um, but, uh, that was an abnormality, that anime in the limelight licenses music, because whether today or back then, most people are just like, eh, they're outside my country, who cares? They're not going to get caught. Um, but, uh, we outlived Otaku Radio, 
Otaku Radio California, Otaku Radio Vancouver, and Otaku Radio Video Games. And so, um, we're the only ones left, fellas. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of insane to think about, isn't it? Yes, it is. But in the meantime, many, one might say hundreds, of anime podcasts have uh, been born and died. And in that time, we've buried all the dead ones. Um, and there's many that are popular today, but unlike those, ASO Radio stands by its edicts. Those are, one, we only review things that originated from Japan and are intended for Japanese audiences. Oh, there was the odd occasion when somebody did us a favor by giving us a review copy or something really noteworthy, but generally, we try to keep the show Japanese media only. Not Korean, not Chinese, not original English language manga. No, real deal, pure, just Japanese anime, video games, and manga. Two, we don't fill our show with nasty swears and horrible things while we go and we drink out of our 40-ounce bottles of beer (laughs) and talk about how everybody's dumb and we're so smart and pretty much things that aren't anything to do with anime, manga, and video games. Like, most podcasts actually don't talk about their subject and just about their personal lives. And Well, you can see why I created ASO Radio and what still makes our show so special. So, to go and continue in this proud tradition of staying on topic and not deviating, we're going to talk about what we've been up to since the last episodes we were on. So, um, basically, we are going to talk about what's been going on with each of us since our last appearance, or kind of misnomer saying appearance on an audio-only podcast, but since last time we did an episode, um, I guess we will start with Z-Guy, as it has been the most time since you've been on, and once we've done a little cover-over, we are going to do an awesome anime review of the very new or very old, depending on your perspective, anime. And then we're going to follow up with a hot spot after our fan mail section, the hot spot, awesome travelogue segment. The uh, fan mail, well, you'll just have to listen to believe it. Z-Guy, take the floor. Tell us, what have you been up to since the last time you can recall being on ASO Radio? It's been 15 years. It's a long time. Um... It hasn't been 15 years since you've been on the show. It's been 15 years since you've been on the show. It's still, it's, you know, being 2014 and how much stuff has happened since then, I think after I left, um, I took a little leave of vacation, you might say, to go on uh, a trip across the continents. Um, I spent about 18 months in Venezuela, uh, came back to the States, and... Uh, actually, I think before that, I moved out to the Wasatch Front, um, so a little bit away from home, and then uh, across the country. Anyway, after that, I came back and kind of moved back to my hometown and uh, uh, just kind of started a career, got married, and still watching anime here and there. Um, sad I kind of left it behind like I did, but I'm kind of glad to be back, and doing something like this kind of brings nuances back of what we did when we were younger, so it's it's fun. Have you yeah. found Crunchyroll? 
I did, actually, yes. I found Crunchyroll. Uh, according to my records, because I keep extensive records on the ASA Radio website at nz17.com slash radio, the last time that you were on the show, Z-Guy, was on episode 123, um, and that was where we reviewed Soccer Wars, the OVA, and Liar Game. But I think that I actually went and made an oopsie and wrote down that you reviewed those things when it was DB3 that reviewed those things. So I need to update that record. <laughs> I don't remember those. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I think that uh, this other record has to be right, and that the last time you were actually on the show, you were on here with DB3 and I, and that was episode 71, which was many years ago now, where we reviewed the Studio Ghibli animated movie Porco Rosso. Actually, yeah, I do remember that. Oh, my gosh, what a great anime to have as the last review. I loved that show. Um, that brings back memories. Oh, man. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki and his works are just phenomenal. He's had a couple of uh, s- movies since then that he's done, like Arietti and uh, Earthsea. Which are definitely kind of interesting, but Porco Rosso... Well, now, hang on a second there, Z-Guy. These are indeed Studio Ghibli movies. But they are not done by Hal Miyazaki. Oh, really? Earthsea was done by his son. I stand corrected. Earthsea was still really freaking good, though. I liked him. I enjoyed it. A lot of people were really harsh on it, and I suppose it could have been better, but I thought that while it wasn't up to my usual expectations of Studio Ghibli, that it was nonetheless a good movie. I'll agree 100% with that. All right, well, what about you, DB3? It says that, uh, according to my records, the last episode you were on was 123, where we reviewed Soccer Wars and Liar Game when you did our (laughs) manga review. I remember that. Um, let's see. Since then, I've moved out of Higville, USA. Now live in the capital of the country. And I wish I didn't. This place is a crazy, crazy mess. Now, when you say capital of the country, which country are you referring to? The United States of America. And are you referring to the old capital of Philadelphia or the current capital of Washington, D.C.? The current capital of Washington, D.C. And what made it so that you ended up in such a crazy place? Well, see, I got my master's degree, and then I couldn't find any work because I didn't have any experience, so I moved out here to get experience. I hate that, Catch-22. My uncle had that same problem decades ago after he graduated from university. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful problem, and I, my heart goes out to people who have it. Um, now that I have the experience, I'll be hopefully moving back westward. And um, how does the future for that look? Um, it looks pretty good. Um, and um, how about gentlemen, as we are all men who are gentle in nature? Have you been, say, getting married and or having offspring in the meantime? Well, like I said in the last episode I was on, I got, I did get married, and I have had since had some children. 
of an unspecified number and gender. <laughs> you liked that, did you? Well, well, fine, I'll do a lead-in. So tell me, how many children do you have, and are they sons or daughters? I have three daughters. I ha my and, and do you have any hair left with that many daughters? I do. It's starting, it's starting to go away, I'm told, but I do. And what about you, Z-Guy? Have you been uh, getting married, perhaps going and snorkeling or taking up photography? Oh, yeah, I guess I should mention something of that. I was about to say with the last comment that I, I don't have any kids. I am married, but I, I am, in fact, kind of losing my hair a little bit. So, <laughs> Anyway, the last few years I've been kind of getting into photography. Um, the locals say I'm pretty good. I, I don't know. I'll have to have other people critique, look at it to see what they think of it. But I'd like to think uh, I'm pretty good. <laughs> And I myself have basically been up to a little bit of this and a little bit of that, taking various online ventures on. I am the administrator of the popular online retro gaming website, Digital Press, and that can be quite a lot of work depending on what needs to be done at the moment. But generally, it's a laid-back thing where I don't have to worry once everything is running. I'm also... Um, of course, running the ESO Radio website, as well as the other NZ17 Productions websites. Uh, as ever, I am still heavily into anime, manga, and video games, but with the weirder, weirder more niche direction that the anime and manga industries have uh, found themselves, including even video games, it... Um, I've been playing less and less as I, as I find more and more uh, offensive elements to these things. But nonetheless, I still find ones that I quite enjoy and am enthusiastic about. And um, uh, I guess the biggest news is that I recently graduated from college. I got my associate degree from Snow College, and I'm pretty proud of that. And I am currently running in an election for local school board. Yay, yeah. That's awesome. So, now that we're all caught up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and a talk of all ages, it is time for us to move on to the next segment of our show, which is the Anime Review. Alright, so, gentlemen, what will we be reviewing on this episode of ASO Radio? This episode, we are reviewing a new show of an old classic. And what would that be called, Z-Guy? That would be Sailor Moon Crystal. Yes, yes indeed. You know, it's funny, DB3, I was reflecting to myself how... In fact, uh, you, even though you weren't on the first episode of ASO Radio, nor the second, nor the third, as T-Man and Z-Guy showed up on the second and third episodes, respectively, you have actually been on the most episodes of ASO Radio as co-host. Really? Yes, indeed. I, I wasn't sure how many you would make it through, but indeed you did. <laughs> and... Uh, even some fly-by-night hosts have come and gone since then, like Tetsuya, 
um, and uh, the audience and a couple of others, but in fact, you are the most prolific co-host. Wow. That's impressive. There's only one other person with more episodes under his belt, and he's a handsome, bearded devil by the name of NZ-17, so congratulations. <laughs> All right, Props back to, to our review. for having doing so many episodes. Jeez. Sorry, say again? Props to him for doing so many episodes. I know I could barely take the guy. I uh, know, <laughs> that nasally whiny voice. Um, anyways, we're going to review Sailor Moon Crystal now, so enough of that aside. Let's go ahead and cover the basics of uh, this anime and get the ball rolling. Gentlemen, as a reminder, we will be reviewing the anime on the basis of story, characters, art, sound effects, music, and, of course, a general enjoyment factor, and then reviewing it on the ASO radio scale from not recommended to neutral to recommended to highly recommended to top recommendation. So, to get us started, and so I can take a drink, how about we have one of you two fine gentlemen begin summarizing the first three episodes of the new series based on the old anime and manga, Sailor Moon. Z-Guy, DB3, alternate the introduction. <laughs> Do we want to give any spoilers away on the story? Well, you know, pretty much. Why don't why don't we have it this way? DB3, you start on the story, and then Z-Guy, you start on the characters after he is done giving us an overview of episodes 1, 2, and 3. All right, so the story is about this schoolgirl who finds a cat who goes who who helps her transform into this superhero to go and fight these bad guys who are starting to pop up over town and in doing so she has to find helpers to fight these bad people the bad people um are looking for a crystal to power them up so they get stronger and so they can take over the world presumably and uh, DV3, thank you very much. Z-Guy, tell us about these characters. Uh, I think the characters are awesome. I like the remake um, and the fact that they stuck, I believe they stuck to the original manga. Um, the, the characters themselves are believable. I think they're well acted out by their, well, sorry, by their new actors. And uh Was that one of her porcelain unicorn figurines falling on the keyboard? It may have been, yes. <laughs> so uh each one of the characters is introduced from uh episode to episode with Sailor Moon being first. I believe the Tuxedo Mask is also introduced in that one. With uh Sailor Venus coming in next, um I forget her regular name, but she is the not nerdy geek, but she is a really smart girl with uh, a well, lot of me, talent. Let me go ahead and interject a little there. I think that, sure. that uh, Z-Guy was perhaps a little drunk or tired or both. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, the second character introduced is actually Sailor Mercury. Oh, Mercury. Yeah, that's right. My bad. But uh, um, go ahead and go on, and uh, I'll critique. I mean, I will chip in and help as we go along. Uh, by all means, feel free to correct me. Um, 
Uh, you're right. It's uh, Sailor Mercury, and she's the one who is an inspiring doctor. And uh, when Sailor Moon gets in trouble in that episode, she comes in to help her out. And then I believe it's Sailor Mars next. And uh, she's kind of a girl who kind of knew about her powers before, but then uh, came to realize her some of her full potential in the episode, in the latter half of the episode. But, uh, yeah, good characters. All right, so uh, basically just going to fill in a couple of gaps here, if you fellows don't mind. Go ahead. As the resident uh, sailor expert in the room. Um, uh, so the show itself, uh, Sailor Moon Crystal, is not a remake of the original uh, Sailor Moon anime from the early 90s. What it is, is rather a more faithful adaptation of the original manga, or as Z-Guy says, manga. Um, and this manga is thankfully going to be quite the long adaptation too, so we're not going to have to worry about Sailor Moon Crystal ending anytime soon. But you will, as a viewer, if you've seen the original Sailor Moon, notice many many, many changes, especially compared to the uh, original American release of Sailor Moon. But before I get into this, how about we talk a little bit about some other facets, as mentioned earlier, for our, our say, list of things on which to judge these shows. Um, how about you guys talk a little bit about the music? Well, before that, one thing I was—I I wasn't a huge fan of Sailor Moon um, when I was little. I, I, I sort of classified it as a girl show, so I didn't want to watch it. I mean, girls going out fighting. It didn't interest me then. Um, since then, I, I, eh, I still haven't really watched it, but I've come to respect it for, for the cornerstone it had back then. Um, so those people who were, who who are who are faithful fans of it, one thing that they'll find interesting is the person who originally voiced um, the original Sailor Moon. Um, it, she has the same role actor, uh, the same voice actor in the, the Japanese version. Yes, that is very interesting. And uh, Ziga, what are your thoughts on this topic of, of uh, then versus now and your opinion toward the series? I'm going to have to agree with a little bit with DB3. Um, I wasn't a big watcher of her back uh, when it first came out, and even when we started doing these episodes uh, earlier on, I wasn't that big of a fan of it because, again, it seemed more like a girls' show. Um, however, I've come to kind of recognize the series as something instrumental in bringing Japanese anime to Western cultures and gaining a worldwide popularity for the series. And I am kind of glad that they're doing this new series. Um, I, it's something that I would come to watch, and I think, since I don't have any kids, I would be watching it with, like, nieces that who could probably identify with some of the things that, and issues that these characters are dealing with. Now, I have to say that I really, really love the music in this new series. I mean, the original series uh, for the American release actually was handled by Viz, or sorry, Deke. They both have three-letter, you know, names, and the middle one's an I, and both, you know, consonants on either end, so forgive me. But uh, Deke handled the American release originally and replaced most of the music in it 
um, either because they were recording an English language version of a song or they just released the music wholesale as they were trying to make it a show that would appeal more to both boys and girls. And to be honest, the original show's music in the Japanese version, while very good, has a very, if you will, French and girly vibe to it. Um, but this new Sailor Moon show, OMG, DB3, <laughs> it has some of the most rocking introduction, and I like it so much that while I really like the original music for the series, I wish that it would have had some rocking intro song for the original, so I might have been able to get more people interested in it back then. And the ending song, while not as high energy, also very, very good. And background music, unlike the recent revival of the The Slayers series with Lena Inverse and such, where it was just reusing the music from the past, as best I can recall. Anyways, this series, the Sailor Moon Crystal, brand new music everywhere. So it is, it is quite nice. What do you guys think? I enjoyed it. Um, I don't have much to add to it. I mean, I know... Um, I was I I I didn't turn down my music. A lot of times I'll just turn off music and just wait till it's over. Right, you mean for the ending thing? Yeah. And not after you've started the show. You're two minutes in. You're just letting the video run the rest of the time. No sound. Right. Right. Z guy. I found myself uh, liking the music. Um, definitely didn't have any French girly kind of overtones to it. It did seem like it was music that worked well with uh, what, they've, what they're making out of this. Uh, they have some new stuff in animation, and the music kind of accentuates that. Um, obviously, I'm going to not watch intros and uh, credits after the first one, but I did sit through the first episode with this one and actually watch them all the way through just to kind of see what they were like, and I think it matches this uh, new version of Sailor Moon really, really well. I think that the music in this is really, really great. So great that I, I never skipped the opening, I never skipped the ending, and I actually have on several occasions now listened to the extended music video version of the opening as provided by the uh, group that did the opening, Momo Iro Clover Z. So I think that should tell you something. <laughs> um, voice acting, very good in this. So far, it's only available dubbed in Japanese, subtitled in English, and actually over 20 different languages. Um, it's available online through the likes of Crunchyroll, but it is also available on uh, Doga or Nico Nico Doga, and there you can find subtitles in over 20 different languages, I do believe. Uh, covering most of the European and Asian languages. Um, but I don't watch on Nico Nico Doga because their free accounts are so bandwidth crippled that it is literally buffering every, like, two seconds for me, making it unwatchable. But watching it on Crunchyroll, very smooth and flawless for me. Enjoyed that. But I have to go and say that I have a bit of a niggle. Um... First of all, with the Deke original series, uh, it was called um, Sailor Moon for the uh, 1992 uh, anime. 
and there was actually quite a lot of filler episodes because, like a lot of popular manga, they were going and making the anime while the manga was still being created, so they had to, you know, buy some time, and filler episodes are how anime studios do that. Um, but with the Viz release, not only did they change, or I said Viz again, Deke, uh, Deke is now known as Cookie Jar, by the way, but that's not going to really make things any more clear. Um, Deke went in and they edited the music and changed that, but they also changed a lot of names and uh, other things to the show. So when I'm watching it, I'm not imagining, oh, this is Usagi, this is Mamoru. I'm imagining, oh, this is Serena, and this is Darian, and this is Serena's friends, Molly and Melvin and so on and so forth. So there's there's a bit of a mental adjustment to be made for these new names. It's not only were they used in Deke, uh, Deke's productions of the first two seasons of Sailor Moon, but then when Genion, a.k.a. Pioneer, handled seasons three and four, uh, they also used these English language names instead of the Japanese originals. And furthermore, the movies, which I think were handled by ADB, um... Those are, no, I guess those were Pioneer as well. Anyways, they all use these names, and so it's a real adjustment to try to get my head to go, oh, yeah, that's their name, after all of these decades <laughs> of having the other names. Um, and the other, the other problem I have is that, um, see, the, the name of the original show was Bishoujo Senshi Sailor Moon, or translated into English, Beautiful Girl Soldier, Sailor Moon. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty accurate title, but they wanted to avoid, you know, any sort of military connection with the, the first release to, you know, try to make it seem not so violent to parents, even though episodes, you know, there's, there's people, bad guys and good guys, you know, getting hurt and dying frequently, but, you know, um, it's done with, you know, glitter and sand and people fading out rather than big bloody messes. Usually, not all the time, there there are big bloody messes too. But but uh, the point is, is that they were called just Sailor Scouts in the Deke version. Um, and of course, the Japanese version, they were called Senshi or Soldiers. Well, after the first Sailor Moon anime, they were gone and called uh, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Uh, instead of Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon or Pretty Girl Soldier Sailor Moon. Uh, and so when the live-action Sage Plays came out, they called it Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. And in the translation of these episodes, these new Sailor Moon Crystal episodes, they also have it translated as Guardians. Not Scouts, not Soldiers, Guardians. And I think Guardians just isn't the right word for it. They're doing tons of fighting, and, you know, I'm going to avoid spoilers in case there's anyone listening who hasn't watched or read the original anime or manga. But they're not really doing a lot of protecting. I mean, you might say, oh, in general, they're protecting the general public. You know, they're going and, and scouting out, trying to find their members and this mysterious princess they're looking for and the uh, Silver Millennium Crystal. I think that's the uh, MacGuffin they're looking for this season. Um but, uh, you know, I think, I think translating it more literally as pretty soldier Sailor Moon would be more, not just literal, but I think a better, better translation. What do you guys think? Scout, I, I soldier, think or guardian? I agree with that. I mean, sure, 
they they do a lot of fighting, but I don't see them initiating it. Really, they see someone else is getting attacked, um, so they go and save, try and save the person. So, for example, in the one episode where they bring in um, the sailor scout from Mars, um, there was there was people starting to mi- turn up missing, and then they see the sailor scout go missing, so they go and save her. I mean, it's not like they're going out searching for a fight; they're going out to protect to protect the people. That's true, that's true. Uh, what about you, Z-Guy? What do you think? Scouts, soldiers, or guardians? What's the better name, or best name? Um, I'm going to have to go with the pretty guardian sailor scouts all as well. Um, it just kind of seems like they're the guardians of you know, goodwill and want everything to go good. And they do act as protectors to um, the innocent people who are out there, and also to, uh, I think it's their princess, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of there as guardians more than soldiers. I'm well, let's, uh, let's, let's switch gears at this juncture, because uh, we, we've said, you know, the voice acting is good. It has a lot of the original voice actors and actresses for the Japanese dub. It's got good music. Uh, uh, the storyline is uh, your essential, you know, magical girl thing, but done with uh, the own unique twist of the author here and there. Uh, Some heavy themes that it deals with later on in the series. Uh, These first few episodes uh, essentially act as the introduction, first to Sailor Moon, then Mercury, then Mars, and eventually it will introduce the final two of the inner five senshi. Um, And so, thus, we've met three so far. Um, let's talk a little bit about who each character is and their role in the group. Um, DB3, how about you start us off talking about Sailor Moon herself, and then Z-Guy, talk a little bit about Sailor Mercury. Oh, Sailor, are you just wanting me to tell about the character? Like... Well, what I mean is, you know, so far we've got the basic thing that Luna appeared, who is a talking cat, uh, blessed with powers, uh, seemingly from some mysterious background with some connections to the moon. Um, she's found so far Usagi, a.k.a. Sailor Moon, uh, Sailor Mercury, and Sailor Mars, and they are trying to find their princess, the Silver Millennium Crystal, keep it out of the hands of the bad guys, and prevent the bad guys from doing bad, but... To care about these characters, we need to know who they are personally, what their personalities like, what they look like, uh, you know, where they go to school, what they do, and how they get along with each other and their so, roles in the group. So Sailor Moon, um, the protagonist, uh, she's an underachieving schoolgirl. From what I see, she's probably the typical Japanese schoolgirl, um, except she has blonde hair, unlike anyone else in realistic Japan. Um, she loves her video games, uh, in particular one with the Sailor V. Um, she's not very dedicated to school at this point. Um, she just goes to have fun, it looks like, to hang out with her yeah, friends. Not, not very dedicated to being a uh, sailor, soldier, guardian, scout either, is she? Well, she, I, guess, I, I don't know if I'd say that. She just she doesn't have much focus on that. I mean... Well, she's a scaredy cat. When, when when it comes time to fight, she doesn't fight. She does try and wimp out of it. That's true. Yeah, you know, crying, crying, screaming, running, throwing things. 
Yeah. <laughs> but go, but go on, go on. Oh, well, that's about it. Like, he, like he said, her her superpower at this point is a supersonic cry. Well, you know, she's got more than that. She's got uh, little little red uh, things as part of her outfit, jewels in her hair, in her odongo or buns in her hair uh, that let her go and hear when somebody's in danger. She's got her moon tiara, which she throws like a boomerang. Um, um, that's only after she does her supersonic cry. Well, yes. Well, some of these things aren't very long-lasting in usage in the series, but she also has her disguise pin, and, uh, of course, she can transform using the pendant that she wears on her uh, school uniform. But uh, tell us tell us about her role in the group. Who? What is her responsibility? Where does she fall in this group? Um, she's... At this point, she's she's the gather, she's just gathering them. So I, she might you might consider her the leader um, at this point, um, just because she's going around finding everyone else. When they they when they see her or they touch her, um, they flash and they're like, oh, she's important somehow, and it just brings their, more attention to her. And the guy, please tell us about uh, as you were trying to earlier, Sailor Mercury, her personality and how she fits into the group. Um, well, like I was saying before, she was kind of seeming like an introvert and uh, was kind of the smart one, always constantly studying stuff like that. Um, I believe Sailor Mercury's power is more water-based, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of more her power. Um, Luna and Usagi kind of found her after she got into some trouble, ironically, while she was doing some studying at uh, a center that she attended. Um, but she seems to be kind of the uh, the smart one of the group, kind of to help out in that way. Um, she actually transforms with a pen that she received um, from Usagi while she was playing video games, kind of as a reward, I think it was, or she was playing it, I think. And Ironically enough, it seems like she has a really good knack for video games, even though it's not something she generally does. But it seems to support the group in that kind of way. And she's a gifted student, wants to be a doctor, is smart. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what kind of support she'll uh, give later in, in the series. Okay, and the third major character we have at this point, you know, we have Sailor Moon, she has some friends from school, we have Luna, uh, but the third Sailor Scout, or Guardian, uh, is Sailor Mars. And um, she is both respected and relied on by the neighborhood in which she works, but she is also feared. She works as a shrine maiden at a local Shinto shrine, uh, as the, though it isn't yet said, but I'll say it anyways, because, I mean, come on, the show is over 20 years old. She is the uh, granddaughter of the um, man who runs and otherwise operates the Shinto Shrine, and uh, she works there as the Shrine Maiden, but sadly she is the sole Shrine Maiden, as the um, Shrine has fallen on difficult times, and uh, people fear her because she has uh, a, a spiritual connection, a psychic connection, however you want to put it, to um, the crows, to fire, and to unseen forces. And so they, uh, they respect her 
but it isn't as though they want to be friends or whatnot. It's a respect more out of fear than anything. And when a local child goes missing of one of three mothers, they at first demand that she goes and finds this child. And then when she says that she can't, you know, she's not getting a beat on him, her powers don't really work like that, then they get very antagonistic and they actually blame her for this. And much like Sailor Mercury, before she is befriended by Sailor Moon, um, she is a very lonely student of approximately the same age who is socially isolated from others and as such has a rather sad and forlorn lifestyle uh, into which Sailor Moon, much like her blonde hair itself, brings a ray of yellow sunshine into her life. No pun intended on uh, Sailor Mars's name when I say ray of sunshine, but uh, funny, funny pun nonetheless. Um, and so these trio become not just fellow guardians seeking these goals, but also friends who help and support each other both in battle and in real life and at school. And I think, you know, that that's a real fundamental message in this series is that, you know, even if you feel sad, isolated, alone, you're not really alone. And if you look around and you try to reach out, you might go and have some trouble sometimes, but eventually you will find people there who will be your friends, who will support you, and who might just be around the corner and you didn't know it until it suddenly walks into your life. So I think, you know, that's a really good, positive message. It's the whole series, you know, whenever I'm feeling down and then I watch an episode of Sailor Moon, including Sailor Moon Crystal, it makes me feel a lot better. Like, it, it cheers me up, makes me think that life isn't so, you know, down or depressing. It makes me feel more optimistic. And um, I think that that's a really good power that the show has is, you know, even... Even, you know, as anime and manga get more weird and niche in a lot of cases where instead of trying to appeal to a general audience of men and women, you know, old people, young people, middle-aged people, um, you know, it's getting more niche. But Sailor Moon, uh, perhaps because it started back in 1992 or whatever, but it, it has a really good, like, everyone can enjoy this. And even the romance parts aren't so much just, you know, a guy wanting a girl because she looks hot. It's, you know, more about the romance than it is about physical attraction. And and I don't know, it's just, it cheers me up to watch this. What, what do you guys think about this? Um, I think you have a point about um, why, it, why it's generally more, it could be more accepted by the general public. I mean, it seems to be more kid-friendly. Um, but how kid-friendly, I don't know. I have, we were only, there's only three episodes out. Um, so basically you get off the previous one, ah, you mean that people, I can understand why more people would want to watch it. Um, what do you think, Z-Guy? I'm kind of thinking along the same lines. It does seem like uh, more of a, a children, especially towards the girls show, although this one seems to be more friendly to American audiences. I like the fact that it seems like a lot of the characters are going through things that um, even kids in the USA would identify with, and that's one of the reasons why uh, it has grown into the phenomenon that it has been. It has... Uh, International a, appeal? Exactly. And um, just about any kind of media kind of drags you in that same way. It just You can identify with the characters... 
and things always turn out for the best. So, um, yeah, I think it has a lot of appeal that in that way. Um, I like with Sailor Moon, and I mean, this is getting more to what happens later, but even you can see some of it in these early episodes, is it, is it deals with some, some dark subject matter and some mature subject matter, but it deals it in such a way that it, it, it doesn't feel alienating uh, to to people of like a younger age, or you like say older people that might want to keep their nieces, nephews, grandchildren, or or just their own children uh, away from it. And so I think it, it handles things that are going to have you know drama and be of interest, but without going too far overboard, pushing things too far. And so you know I respect that. Uh, but one thing that I I don't respect is. Uh, Man, are there some ugly character models in the show. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that I'm used to the original series with its, you know, uh, watercolor backgrounds and little bits of neon here and there and, and, you know, a more flat shading style to the characters and no computer effects and stuff. But with this new series, it's kind of like a combination between the old anime series plus how things look in the manga plus a bit of its own style, but by trying to look so much like the manga where, you know, like, everybody's legs are 50% longer than they would be on a real person, and everybody's arms are half as thick as they would be on a real person, and their eyes have more light and shade and, and, and just highlights and facets to it than you can imagine, they end up looking really odd and and slightly disturbing in a way at times not disturbing as in oh that's gross but disturbing as in like you're watching fake people like not like 2d representations of people like you would you know expect but i mean just like there's something wrong about these proportions and the way they look and move and and while you know there's a little bit of that with the uh 2d when they're using the 3d models uh, that can really, really stand out and look really bad depending on the angle. I mean, am I alone in this, or are you guys getting that too? I'll agree with you wholeheartedly on the proportions in which they're drawn. Um, so far as, like, more color depth and more shading and stuff like that, so far as the characters go, I think that's actually an improvement. But you're right on the 3D... Uh, stuff when they're going through their transitions, it does kind of stand out with some of the positions that they're in. I mean, you're right, legs look way too long, eyes are a bit on the big side, and arms are too thin. And uh, yeah, some of the positions and motions that they do when they're going through transformations and in a few other places in, in the series, it really makes it obvious, and it is a little bit weird that way. What about you? Know, you that's that's one, of the, one of the features about anime, right? People with long legs who are not really abstract. People with hairstyles that aren't right or transformations that just won't really realistically happen. Who cares if there's those things going on? That's true, but they, they, seem, to, they seem to be going for the gusto in this one. <laughs> well, I agree that, you know, um, artists are ent- enabled to, you know, not just depict things in a 
photorealistic manner, but uh, open to interpretation. And, of course, you know, the human mind, uh, you know, we think that we see things in a realistic projection, whether that be the passage of time or how things are laid out and whatnot, but it's all really an illusion because in our minds everything is, you know, broken down into abstracts to which connections and associations are made, and so, you know, that's why 2D art, you look at it and you don't go, man, what are all these weird splotches and stuff, but because of the pattern recognition in your mind, you can go, oh, that's a person, that's a cat, there's a tree, and so... Obviously, artists are welcome to do what they please, but I just found the appearance to be, I don't know, it's almost like body snatchers, like praying mantis-shaped body snatchers came in and, like, kidnapped <laughs> these girls, put them on their spaceship, and then put on fake skins underneath it, and, uh, you know, they're out interacting with the public. Also, I found some of the shadings that they used on some of the hair especially looked weird. Like, like they had on these odd colored wigs more than it's their actual hair. Like, I don't mean that, you know, they have unusual colors for Japan. I mean that it's just odd in the, in the shadings that are used. So it feels kind of, I don't know, like oil. Does that make any sense? It kind of does. I, I'm i going to have to differ a little bit. That wasn't so as extreme as the proportions. and um, Like in the 3D animations of it, they're, they seem to be using a technique that uh, is a really old technique when 3D uh, cartoonish stuff started coming out with the shading that they had. Um, but I think it looks good. It it does look slightly weird, but it didn't really bother me that much. Well, I think all that's uh, really left before we give our scores to this thing is to talk about uh, Tuxedo Mask. Now, um, obviously, this gentleman has a connection to these Sailor Guardians, and uh, all of these seeming flashbacks or memories or whatever they're experiencing, no spoilers, no spoilers, um, seem to tie him in to the rest of them. Um, and it's uh, love at first sight when Usagi goes and sees this gentleman. Um, now, do either of you remember this scene very well? Maybe you could lay it out for the audience. Which scene? The very first scene she meets him? Right, right. When she went on uh, the bus. What was that? We're the one on the bus. Uh, the first time that she meets him, and she's upset about her bad grades and inability to get jewelry from her daddy. And she throws a piece of paper over her shoulder, and it hits him in the face. Not just a piece of paper. This crumpled up piece of paper contains her very bad grade from a recent exam. Yeah, and he actually looked at it and and actually insulted her in a couple of ways when he saw it. Gone. He called her a, what, a bung girl, I think it Bunhead, was? Bunhead, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so, anyways, despite the fact that uh, he insulted her, calling her a bunhead, and says she needs to study harder, and can't believe anyone could get a grade that bad, and weirdly enough is wearing a tuxedo out in open public, uh, nonetheless, she cannot deny her instant infatuation and crush on this handsome, if a bit haughty young fellow who seems to, despite his upset demeanor at getting hit in the face with a ball of paper, um, nonetheless have uh, certain charms and a certain refinement to him. 
Although, I mean, I gotta go inside with the original anime. This really should have gone with what that one did, where he's in regular street clothes. You know, he's wearing a green sweater because, you know, uh, weather appropriate attire. You know, he's wearing sunglasses. Uh, when they encounter this time around, maybe it's more faithful to the manga, don't know, don't own the first volume, but he's out wearing a tuxedo. Now, I'm guessing this probably ties in with Japan's current fascination from, like, the last ten years with maids and butlers, um, but it seemed really BS to me that he's out there wearing a tuxedo going about walking by this jewelry store. What do you guys think? I'll agree with you. It's, uh, Japanese culture is a little bit interesting that way, but it does seem extremely odd that he was wearing a tuxedo out with apparently nowhere to uh, You know, he's dressed up good and has nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really make different. the connection. What was that? I didn't really make the connection with that. Um, I just saw him, like, he's making fun of her. I mean, she's not really going to pay attention to what he's wearing. Well, that's not true, because she did say to him, what a weirdo, who goes and wears a tuxedo out in public anyways? Yeah. Um, but I just I just found it odd. But I guess, I guess we can just chalk it up to, you know, if people are going and wearing outfits in Japan that are fashionable, that are inspired by French-made outlets and European butler outfits, then, sure, a guy wearing a tuxedo just because it makes him feel pretty, why not? Why not? Um... But he, but he plays an important role in the show, not just a love interest, but also he has an alternative persona, like all these other characters. And so when Mamoru is out and about investigating his own agenda, he is Tuxedo Mask. Now, in the original, like I said, originally when Usagi encounters Mamoru, they're both in regular street clothes. So it's more understandable that when they're in their superhero uh, outfits that they are not recognizing each other, but when she just ran into the guy out on the street not more than a few hours ago, and he's wearing the same tuxedo as back then, only different, top hat and a mask, that really stretched my uh, credulity with the whole scene. I have to agree. Um, though my problem, I at least it, it, to this point so far, it's, he. my whole problem with this show, really, is I don't know how the bad guys don't know who she is. I mean, <laughs> she wears basically the same clothes. There, she, her appearance doesn't really change that much. I mean, I don't see how they can't figure out who she is. Just like t- Tuxedo Mask, he, I'm sure he knows who she is. <laughs> like, oh, look, it's that girl that was a horrible student. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, she doesn't even have a mask on. At least he has a mask on. <laughs> It might just cover his eyes, but at least he has a eye mask on, for crying out loud. Um, you know, that was always one of my problems. Is I understand the audience needs to be able to identify these characters at a glance and know, oh, this is that person, this is that person. Uh, you know, they're currently in this persona. But it's a little too obvious who's who, where you got to wonder, is there like some magic spell that goes along with their transformation that doesn't just change their looks a little, but make them look, you know, really, really different? You know, the magic, we're just not seeing the effects of the spell, but everyone else there does. Uh, yeah. Well, real quick, Z-Guy, what, what do you think about all this? And then we'll give our scores. Um, 
This is something that I've kind of thought about Sailor Moon in general and uh, kind of with any anime that has a transformation scene with anything they do is, you know, it's like the bad guy has to stand there and wait for this transformation to happen. <laughs> then, But this one is kind of odd that they introduce themselves and then say, you know, in the name of the moon, I'll punish you, which Usagi says after her, each one of her transformations, but kind of funny that everything has to pause in order to go through the transformation and then resume where they left off. Yeah, I like to imagine that in any of these magical girl shows where there's a transformation involved, and any show in general where there's a transformation, that it's, uh, for everyone present, it's like an instantaneous transformation. But for the audience, you know, it's slowed down and done a little such. And, of course, it's a great way to kill time without introducing new animation to the show, which has to be produced. Uh, back when Sailor Moon was first produced, uh, very low budget, you know, they just thought it was going to be another flash-in-the-pan thing, you know, just edit, uh, animating what's currently popular in manga. Um, so there wasn't much of a budget to it. So a lot of time on the show would be taken up by the ending sequence and the opening sequence and the transformation sequences and, and you know, a lot of things where just a mouth or an arm or whatever would be animated as part of that. But now, of course, much bigger budget since it's, you know, definitely not gone away and just is, you know, obviously the engine is still warming up over here in America. Over in Japan, they've already had like two years of merchandise and getting excited for this new release. And once things start hitting store shelves and with box sets, and you know eventually something is going to be on television again, whether that's on Cartoon Network or Toonami or maybe some other programming block, it is going to just explode and be more popular than it ever was. Um, so they have much more money this time. So thankfully... Uh, not only does this translate to higher quality normally, but the transformation sequences are actually much shorter and much less frequently used to, you know, eat up time. And since the entire manga has been, like, finished for, like, what, 15 years, um, we are going to not have any filler episodes, and that'll be really great. Unless, of course, the animators, for whatever reason, feel compelled to do a clip show as they're buying time to animate the next story sequence, you know, the next story episode. But other than them buying time just to animate the things, we don't have to worry about filler. So I think that that's uh, definitely working in favor because with the original Sailor Moon, I believe it took five episodes to get to the point where we're at, maybe six um, so we're already nearly 50% farther along than we were with that one. So uh, that's working out pretty well. And, um, and uh, I think that there is a lot of promise with this, and I'm really looking forward to future episodes. You might call me a Mooney, and you might be right. DB3, summarize what you think of this and give us a score from not recommended to top recommendation. Um, I... After after viewing this, um, I still really don't. I'm st- I, it's, it's it's probably gonna be one of those anime that if I don't have anything better to do, if I don't have if I'm ca- all caught up on my other stuff, then I might flip it on. Um, with all the great stuff there is in it, um, I, it makes me sort of regret what I didn't watch it as a kid. Um, but realizing that it is um, more modern um, and it doesn't have all the the filler episodes might make it more plausible to watch. I'm going to give this a recommended. And what about you, Mr. Z-Guy? What do you give this? 
Um, I also thought it was pretty well done. I really like how uh, they've portrayed it, I guess, this time around. I didn't. I never watched the old ones, but um, obviously, I'm probably not going to watch it on my own, but if I have my nieces around, uh, I would watch it with them. In fact, I have to say that even if I had nieces and nephews around, just kids with me in general, they would probably all be interested in it, and I would watch it with them and not really have a problem with that. Uh, I will give this a uh, definite recommended. You know, and interestingly enough, because it's airing on Crunchyroll, among other places, um, and their subscription service, I think, is like uh, 6 or $7 a month, you could actually subscribe to Crunchyroll and then be able to watch it on, you know, iOS devices, Android devices, certain set-top boxes and consoles. So, you know, you could subscribe and then toss it on to, like, your PS3 and play for the uh, family. I agree. If you have a good enough connection, Crunchyroll, uh, Crunchyroll actually does a really good job with their streaming. I actually watched the first episode in full HD on a big screen, and the quality was absolutely awesome. So, uh, kudos to Crunchyroll. Now, uh, personally, I, uh, I quite enjoyed this show. It has a faster pacing than the original one, less, um, frou-frou things, less, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot more sped up and not so much downtime, if you will, during the episodes. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, as you heard, I really love the opening song. I think both the opening and ending sequences are done well. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with the storyline and see the differences between the original manga and anime and this series, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But some of the character design does look bizarre to me, and um, I think that while they did a good job for the most part with the CG, particularly not with so much the character models, but all the rest of the 3D CGI was really nice, um, and so that's good, and I, I am looking forward to more of this, so I am going to give this a highly recommended. Definitely not enough to get a top recommendation, uh, but I wouldn't feel right giving it just a recommended because while there are a few steps backwards with this in terms of comparing it to the original anime, there are also several steps forward, and I am definitely looking forward to seeing more. So yes, highly recommended from NZ17. Okay, so now that we are all done with our anime review for this episode of ASO Radio, it's time to move on to our next segment. And our next segment is going to be the fan mail segment. And for our fan mail, we have two bits of fan mail to read. Now, lately, for some reason, as the internet changed over our 15 years, we, of course, were not very well-known initially, but through some publicity by writing into other anime talk radio programs, we got some listeners, and some were very loyal. Some wrote in pretty much every week. Others wrote in every week. And some, like Anthony Max Hernandez, wrote in letters that were like two to three printed pages long. Ah, uh, the good days. 
but these days, things have changed, and unfortunately, people don't seem to really want to interact very much with uh, the Internet. Back then, there wasn't as much content out there, admittedly, and so it wasn't so overwhelming. As a matter of fact, if you were a fan of something in particular, you could go and see everything new on that subject on the Internet with it lived in like three hours of one day. So, you know, if you wanted to know about anime stuff, you could check out everything new anybody wrote or posted of images, text, or whatever on the Internet, and you'd be done in like three hours or less. And, and usually it would be less than an hour. Uh, so we got a lot of fan mail, but these days people seem to just want to consume content, not contribute to it. So we don't have any fan mail to read on this episode. Now, when I say that, I don't mean we're not going to read any mail. I mean that we don't have anything that is real letters. What we're going to do instead is read some fake letters because, well, we don't got any real letters to read. However, if you would like to send in some letters, whether real or fake, visit the ASO Radio website. Use our contact form. You can see it right there on the center of the page. It says fan mail. has a little envelope. Send us your fan mail today. Click that link and it will take you right to there, or you can just get it on the left-hand side of the page. also says fan mail. But for now, we're going to read some fake fan mail and answer it. So the first bit of fan mail comes from an Al Korn. Al writes, Dear ASO Radio Crew, Hey, guys, love your show. Can't wait for the next episode. Hopefully it'll be out before another year goes by, LOL. Bad news, another year went by. Um, he goes on to write, I was wondering what all of you thought about One Piece and Bleach and, well, pretty much anything that's really popular on TV right now, anime-wise. But most of all, I want to know about One Piece. What do you guys think, and do you think you could review it on the show? Sincerely, your fan, Al Korn. Well, Al, let me tell you. Um... First of all, to get reviewed on ASO Radio, uh, usually one of us has to have naturally gone and watched it. Or maybe, you know, given out as an assignment for all of us to watch if we all can't be together to watch it together. Um, or otherwise, we get a lot of requests coming in. And even then, a lot of requests might not be enough to get us to review something. But I think uh, if fans want us to review things, you should write in and sometimes just one fan letter asking us to review something will be enough to do it. But if it's something like really bad, eh, probably not going to talk about it because you know what they say, any publicity is good publicity and I don't want people going and knowing about bad things unless it's just to say, do not buy this. So I'd rather review things that were good and tell people while they're good so they know to write. But if anyone out there wants to go and have us review something, Visit the site, send in fan mail, ask us to review it. As for One Piece, not a fan. It's either crazy stuff happening or more crazier stuff happening. So not not really thrilled by the art style or the story or any of that, despite being a really big fan of pirates. And also, the orange-haired chick, I think she is pretty. I think she is hot. But pirates and one hot chick is not enough to get me to watch the show. DB3Z guy, what do you think of One Piece and other popular anime like Bleach and stuff that's on? Well, I think the big problem with them is they go on, they're so long, like, there's so many fillers because the manga are still going that you'd have to sift through all the fillers and then you'd have to sift through all the junk 
that comes over with the translations, it would just take too long. It wouldn't be staying true to to the essence of what what's really out there. Now, there's are some um, that I might recommend, um, but those are none of those are based on actual manga. So, eh. what do you mean? Like, um, there's a re- one I recently started watching, um, Irregular Student in Magical High. It's based on a light novel. Um, there's a Sword Art Online, which is really popular, also based on a light novel. Those seem to be much... I, I find those much more entertaining than some of those based off of current manga that are out there. I have to say that, personally, the last time there was something really popular in manga form that happened to actually make it to American television that I actually really, really liked was Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And even then, I don't want to deal with the commercials that are on the network that it airs on. So I just pretty much read the manga up until Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood caught up with the manga. And then because uh, the manga publisher in America was publishing them at such a slow rate, I just went and uh, continued with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood from that point onward. Uh, but nothing on TV right now really tickles my fancy. Uh what do you think about all this, Z Guy? Do you have some TV favorites, or perhaps just an opinion you'd like to share about some of the more popular stuff, like I don't know, Pokemon, Bleach, One Piece, uh, Soul Eater, whatever? Um, I kind of find that interesting. Uh, admittedly, I haven't really watched a lot of uh, Japanese anime a lot lately, especially on TV. The ones that I would choose to watch are probably off of some other network, but um. Uh, I do know some of them do have huge fan bases, uh, One Piece being one of them. Uh, Bleach not so much, but then like Pokemon, um, the rising no, generation... No, Bleach has an incredible, incredible fan base. I mean, go to any anime convention, and you are going to see a lot of Bleach cosplayers. Well, I'll have to watch out for it the next time I go to one. That's actually really interesting. I'll have to definitely watch out. Um... Okay, so I stand corrected on that one. Um, Pokemon also has a, a extremely huge fan base, especially with the generation that's just younger than ours. Um, I think, uh, personally, I don't like it that much, um, but the younger generation seem to identify a lot with uh, what went on with that because they, they grew up watching it. Not, not, not to jump on your... your tell or anything to you guys, but another thing I find problem with a lot of these out there currently is they're so inundated with them, like, that's all you see. Like, I didn't mind Pokemon at start, especially with the, the games that were coming out. I mean, I had, I, I played the Pokemon game, I loved it, right? But that was 10, 15 years ago, right? Get over it. Let it die. I love yeah, 1998. I love I'm actually going to have to agree with you on that. I, right? I loved Bleach when it started. It was great. Let it die. Naruto, same thing. It's been going out 15 years. Oh, that I couldn't agree with more. <laughs> I mean, it was fun at the start. It, I really did enjoy it at the start. The there first few of it, or seasons were actually really good, but uh, they were uh, tons of fillers, and now they've come out with, like, a few different spinoffs that just uh, I've had absolutely zero interest in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's uh, all good points all around. Uh, DB3, I give you the last word on this one. I thought I just made my point really well, so I don't have anything additional to say. Z guy, anything else? Um, 
Uh, no, just in general, I, I actually tend to agree a little bit with DB3 in that um, some of these uh, more recent ones, they've they're just coming out with so much content, and it's it's not the quality that it used to be when some of these um, uh, animes came out in the first place, which were good back then, but have kind of lost their luster since. So. Hmm. All I really have to add to this before we move to our next letter is, OMG, how long has Ash Ketchum been catching Pokemon? I mean, you know, <laughs> I think he got all of them a long time ago when there was 150. Oh, hey, guys, look, there's more Pokemon in each region of the world. You would think there'd be, you know, some crossover, you know, animals migrate. Uh, but no, no, they're they're broken down by geographical regions. Apparently, they don't cross over until new games and stuff are made. And and despite the seemingly endless number of Pokemon, I think there's over 700 now. Um, you would think that he wouldn't still be at this point in time because the the Pokemon games came out in 1998. Uh, the the anime followed same year. So you would think that even with the magic of time passing in a different uh, rate, uh, in a different manner in fiction, that he would be more than 10 years old by this point, considering <laughs> that we are 16 years out from when it started. If, I mean, that, if that's true, Enzi, how old would Bart Simpson be nowadays? They should end that show, too. It is oh, like agree, decade yeah. or more overdue. <laughs> um, but but I just mean, you know, because with the Simpsons, you know, at first they were trying to keep it accurate. You know, they were trying to say, okay, this is how the town's laid out. This is how the surrounding area is. takes this long to get there. But along the way, they just gave up and said, eh, just do whatever. So, you know, in a way that that doesn't really count. But, I mean, with Pokemon, Jesus, you know, it takes Ash so long to go and catch uh, a Pokemon or go on an adventure that generally it's, you know, like an, a day per episode. So, okay, but I, I don't think they even took into account, okay, we've been going for 14 years, we do about 40 episodes per year, multiply that through, divide that by the number of days in a year, and aged him that much. And I think he is literally supposed to still be 10 years old, and that just flabbergasts me. You know, some of my favorite anime and manga and video games are where characters actually age as the game or story goes on. Like, like for example, this is perhaps not the best example I could give, but The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, okay? That game is all about going backwards and forwards in time to two periods that are seven years apart. You know, or, or here's, here's an even older example, uh, Chrono Trigger. What would that game be without its time travel mechanic? You know, and, and there's games in certain Japanese role-playing game series, uh, like I think there's a Dragon Quest game or otherwise, where it's, it, it was on the Super Nintendo. Three generations. You start off with one character, and you can choose for him to marry one of three possible uh, women. And then they have a descendant based upon who you pick that character to match up with. Then that character goes on his own adventures once he's old enough and and so forth until he gets to the point where you then pick which one of three women that he marries. And then that determines the third generation, which is the final character you play as, to finish out the story 
and and save the day, complete the journey and everything. So I believe that makes 27 different possible offspring, if I'm uh, correct. And so, I mean, you know, awesome. But so many of these shows, it just goes on and on. I mean, one of my favorite series is Sonic the Hedgehog. And in the past, because the original game came out in 1991, so it's 23 years now, he's had two birthdays. <laughs> okay. Now, granted, that isn't a lot. But at least he's two years older than when he started, for crying out loud. Oh, my. Okay, so next up, we have another letter, last letter for this episode. This one is from Pearl Oyster. Uh, Pearl writes, hey, NZ17 and whoever you might actually be doing an episode with, if it's just not you again. I was wondering about this new Sailor Moon show. I heard that they're making a new anime for the 20th anniversary, and I'd like to know a little more about it. A lot of my friends, especially my uh, older sister, have talked about the Sailor Moon show, but I only saw a little bit here and there on uh, TV and I think one of my friend's videotapes. So what can you tell me about this new show? Okay. Um, so, Pearl, um, let me check with my co-host real quick. Co-host, should I just take this one, or do you have anything you'd like to toss out before I get talking? I think maybe we should have done the fan section for fan letter section first, and this it could have helped move this helped this person better. Yeah, what, what, what? If we had done the fan mail first, then we wouldn't have had to say anything at all. Well, I'm sorry, but the format of the show is set in semi-permeable stone, and the fan mail comes after the review. Z guy, uh, what, what, you got anything to say to this person, or should I just take it from here? Um, I would say yes, there is another series of episodes coming out. They are better than the older ones. And just take it, Enzi. Just take it. He's struggling. <laughs> and all that they are pretty good and that you should watch them, yes. All right. Well, I'll just go ahead and say what hasn't yet been said on this episode. First of all, minor correction. The new show was supposed to be for the 20th anniversary, but Naoko Takauchi, the creator of Sailor Moon, is really old-fashioned and slow. And basically, the character of Sailor Moon is based off of her, not the Sailor Moon but the non-alter ego Yusagi. Terrible at anything academic, thinking uh, she's lazy, uh, she really likes food and manga and video games, and so it's just agonizing to, to get any business transacted with her because she doesn't do email, she doesn't do online, she doesn't even just let like lawyers or an agent sign off on things. No, she wants to handle it all by herself. And when doing cross-language, like English or American or German people, it takes even longer because of the translation back and forth. So it actually took two years longer than it was supposed to to get all of the legalese hammered out in making the new Sailor Moon Crystal series. So, yes, it was supposed to be in production to begin airing on the 20th anniversary, but it got delayed by two years just from all this old-fashioned sending letters back and forth in envelopes with stamps business. Um, as far as the new show, of course, we reviewed it earlier in this episode, so listen to that if you want to know whether it's worth watching. But as far as going and getting the show... Um, 
first, many anime conventions currently going on have guests um, who are either from the original dubs, uh, as there was, I believe, three different people that did the voice of Sailor Moon, technically four, if you count a little special where, uh, uh, I can't remember who now, but she was dressed up as Sailor Moon. Um, anyways, but we won't count her. The three main voice actresses plus all the other ones um, have been invited to lots of conventions in the last three years because of the 20th anniversary and the new show coming out. So check your local anime conventions to see if one near you has any of them as guests. Uh, there's lots of cool promotional tie-in things, like they had tie-in things with Anime Expo and Otacon, where they were giving out special Sailor Moon coins for people who participated in a scavenger hunt of sorts, where they went to different places and got stamps on a card. Um, there was early screenings of the shows, both the subtitled episodes and the dubbed ones. Um, there's supposed to be a lot of merchandise coming out here soon, from dolls to uh, clothing and other apparel. And as far as the show itself goes, uh, you can go back and get either the VHS tapes or the DVDs that were published by Viz, Genion, and Pioneer. Pioneer and Genion, same company, two different names. Uh, and that way you can get most of the TV series and you can get the movies. Um, but if you don't want to go and seek out these older ones, um, real quick, though, if you do, Tokyo Pop translated the entire manga. So if you want to know what happens without having to wait two weeks between every episode, I, I'm telling you guys, it is killing me having to wait two weeks between every episode. Usually in Japan with an anime, if it's a regular series, there's a new episode every week. Or if it's a, you know weekday show, you're getting like five episodes per week, 40 episodes a year. But this one is only every other week. So we're already a month and a half, well, over that now, into the releases of uh, Sailor Moon episodes, and we only have three episodes to show for it. It's just, oy vey, am I right, guys? Oh, yeah. That is pretty hectic. So it's just really slow release schedule. But check out the manga, the Tokyo Pop. They did a really nice translation. They didn't flip it, so it reads in the original right to left. Uh, if I remember right, they retained the Japanese names. And um, while I found the line art to be really confusing, so it was difficult to tell what was going on during, you know, action scenes, um, all in all, it, it is pretty good. And the art style is similar to the new Sailor Moon Crystal character design art style, but I think it's better in the manga than in Sailor Moon Crystal. Um, now, for new releases, you've, you've basically got uh, a few things happening. Viz is the current license holder. So they have the rights to the anime uh, in the 200-episode TV series from, from the 1990s. They have rights to all three movies, but they also have rights to the specials. Now, see, originally with the Sailor Moon TV series, the final 40 episodes, the final season... They didn't get aired on television, and I could be wrong, viewers, if I am, write in and let me know, but I believe it didn't even get a home video release with the final season, Sailor Stars. So that's going to be new. And Viz got the specials, which have never been released officially in any capacity in North America. So that's very exciting. Um, the manga is currently also being republished. I forget who's re 
publishing it. It's not Tokyo Pop. That company went out of business because it, the owner of Tokyo Pop was crazy and blew all his money making a live-action version of a Korean manga. Um, so the, it's being handled by someone else. I can't remember who, if it's like Yen Press or if it's uh, Viz Manga. Uh, but whoever's handling it, doing a good job. They published the two volumes, Sailor B Manga first, and now they're doing the Sailor Moon Manga. Um, I haven't checked in on that in about two years, but I'm sure that they're still publishing it, and with the anime now coming out, they definitely will be publishing it. Um, Viz is the only company with rights to the anime right now, so expect to see re-releases of the original Sailor Moon, but it won't be what you saw in the past, if you saw it in the past, because it will have the nicely cleaned up audio and video of the Japanese re-release. So the uh, staticky sounding, low fidelity, monaural sound of the past is gone. Banished to the land of wind and ghosts. And instead, we have a nice multi-channel audio tracks that uh, might even be in surround, not sure. Um, but it sounds very good. The audio is all cleaned up, and even the uh, video is cleaned up. So, you know, imperfections and stuff, which were introduced by hand animating it, have been smoothed out. It looks very, very nice. Um, and you can find both the original Sailor Moon series and Sailor Moon Crystal currently streaming online. Um, you can get it through Hulu and Crunchyroll and uh, the Viz Media website and the Neon Alley website. But, of course, on these two websites, Viz is just embedding the copies they upload to Hulu. So, you know. Um, but expect later on this year, before the end of the year, we're going to see DVD and Blu-ray box sets of both Sailor Moon Crystal and the original Sailor Moon, which will include a brand new subtitles and dub for the original series. And, of course, with the new series, it'll also be subtitled and dubbed. And they're using the same voice actors and actresses across both of them. So if you're sick and tired of hearing the voices of Rukia and Ichigo from um, um, uh, Bleach, then you may not like the voices for Luna and Artemis in this new Sailor Moon. Personally, I think Johnny Young Bosch is an excellent actor, but we have enough big, important anime roles that he's playing that he doesn't also need to play Artemis in the show. However, I do quite like the voice actress Farukia, and she does enough to differentiate her voice in what I've heard of the new dub to make it... Uh, not incredibly obvious that it's her, and the acting, of course, is good, too. So all in all, they, they are doing an excellent job and expect DVDs and Blu-rays to be released soon. And if you pre-order at certain retailers, you will even get a special limited edition Sailor Moon coin to go with your pre-order. So I think that pretty much covers it. <laughs> and we are now going to move on to the final segment of this episode of ASO Radio, which is the hot spot. What will it be? Stay tuned and find out. Okay, so we're here at the hot spot, and I personally have been talking so much, 
I need to take a little break to get a drink and catch my breath. So, Z-Guy DB3, real quick, this isn't going to be an official review because today's hotspot is going to be a special feature where I talk everybody through my convention, go, or my trip to go to an anime convention in Denver, Colorado. The convention's called Nandescon, and it had been eight years since the last time I'd been there. Uh, going to talk about that. But first, I'm going to have DB3 and Z Guy to buy me some time while I get a drink and take my breath. Guys, go ahead and talk about some video games. Don't do a full-blown review. Just talk about what you've been playing in the past few months, what you think of it, and whether people should check it out. You go ahead and start, Z Guy. Okay. Um, the game I played recently, uh, Aurora Kingdom. It's a MMORPG. It's, uh, uh, ever since World of Warcraft came out in mainstream in America, there's been a lot of kind of spin-offs of that. This one seems to be kind of like that. There's a lot of, uh, interesting features that are really similar. Although it, um, it's definitely more anime-based. Um, I like that. Um, it seems to have an in-depth story. Um, uh, to be completely honest, all I played through was... Uh, basically the first uh, kind of beginner's area. And so I didn't get in-depth in a lot of aspects of it. And it's kind of interesting. It has uh, good gameplay, good game graphics, some pretty decent music. And uh, a lot of its features seem to go a lot in more in-depth than what I was actually able to get into. But uh, it has your general crafting skills. has a different classes that you can unlock uh, different aspects into. And it has several different changes that you can kind of spread out into, so not every character is the same either. Um, but it, visually it is pretty appealing. It has more of an anime feel to it. I like the character design. Uh, I think they did an awesome job with that. Um, you do kind of do need a, a decent computer to play it, though. It's pretty graphic intensive, but it is kind of catchy, fun to play. Um, it is something I would recommend. Um, DB3, if you had anything? Um, well, I don't really have anything, unfortunately. Um, the game I recently... You bring shame upon your family on this show! <laughs> <laughs> no, because this is a show that talks about most video games. The, the, the focus isn't on video games, so I don't feel bad. No, sir. Video games have been reviewed since the earliest days of ASO Radio, so don't give me that flippity-jibbity. It's not the main focus, so I don't feel bad. It's not the main focus. <laughs> My eye, it's not the main focus. I mean, you know, I've had T-Man on here reviewing video games for the NES and the Intellivision and ColecoVision and stuff. So don't tell me we haven't been reviewing video games on the show for a long time and it's that's, not that's, a focus. That's not, that's not what I said. I didn't say we never never reviewed them. I said it's not the focus of the show. You know, just because Z-Guy goes and picks a Taiwanese-developed game, that doesn't mean that we don't have a focus on Japanese games and gaming in general. All right? It's, it's the trifecta. We've got video games, anime, manga, and where appropriate, soundtracks of anime and video games. <laughs> so, 
I guess I'll just have to carry on unless you actually had a video game that you're going to mention real quick. No, I'm good. Go ahead. Carry on. Oh, or, or are you just the sort of person who's now got his nose up in the air? No, no, I, I, I just don't have time to play. Are you just when, too... I, when I do play? When I do play, my daughters come and sit in my lap. I want to play something like I don't know, um, Disney Infinity. No, not not even that. That that we're talking like we. Baseball or we we stopped one thing I don't know. <laughs> well, all right, I I understand. Even if it is a Japanese game, and you could talk about it. By this time, everyone should know. You said that I played anything recently. Well, have you played that within the last six months? No. Well, I'm sure you've played some sort of video game in the last six months, whether it's by yourself or with others. That's true. I have, but. We need to keep going on with your hotspot. I demand you to tell us about a video game that you have played in the last half year, preferably a Japanese one. A Japanese game, huh? I mean, even, like, if you're downloading things through Virtual Console or other re-releases, those count. Or just playing an old game, that counts. All right, a game that I have played recently on my phone is Brave Frontier. Um, it's an RPG style game. Um, it's free to play, but like most games on the iPod or iPhone or smartphone, um, while it's free to play, you're very limited if you're a free player. Um, if you pay to get the janitor power-ups, it's much easier to play the game, and it could be more fun. Um, great game for those who are willing to play, I guess, because um, I'm not willing to pay for my games on my phone. Um, it was much harder. While it was still playable, it took much longer to play. There's lots of aspects in the game, lots of different features. So, so when you more. say that, do you mean that you're you're not willing to buy like in-app purchases and items, that, and you that don't is pay when? That or is do you correct. mean that like you refuse to pay money to buy an app up front? I refuse to pay in-app purchases. Ah, all right. Well, I can understand that. Unfortunately, it seems to me that smartphone and tablet gaming, while it had great promise has turned out to be a landfill of shovelware and clones. Yep. Yeah, I thought one of you would have chimed in on that, but okay, fine. We'll just move on. Um, we are going to go through my travel log from NDK 2013. Recently, I spent three hours, because of DB3, going and uploading all of my photos to the website, categorizing them, tagging them, and so if you would like to follow along as I go through this, you can visit our website at nz17.com, click where it says Artist Alley, and check out our uh, convention coverage where we have convention photos from many past conventions, and you can follow along with the photos I took from Nandescon 2013. So I invited both Z-Guy and DB3 to go with me, but they said that they were too good to hang out with the likes of me, and they just absolutely refused to go. It was something like that, right, guys? Yeah, that's how I remember it. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, either which way, they didn't get to go. Uh, both of them traveled with me to Denver in 2001 to attend NandesCon in that year. Um, then in 2005, 
we went there again. This time it was just DB3 and I. Um, this time it was just sadly myself, but perhaps that will change in the future. I took a Greyhound bus to get there because my own car uh, was not running at the time. And so it took about uh, two hours longer to get there than it would have had I driven. Um, and dangerously enough, although I didn't know when I started the trip, it occurred during the 2013 Colorado floods. So um, I just saw a lot of rain. I didn't realize that entire parts of the state were being flooded out, and I got there safely. Um, however, during the trip, one of the people on the bus got kicked off because when we took one of our breaks, he went across the street and he bought some alcohol from a um, state liquor store, and he brought it aboard the bus and was trying to hide it, and as per the rules, uh, he got kicked out and uh, left there in that town uh, because you are not allowed to bring such things onto the Greyhound buses. But because of said rainstorm, I actually saw an incredible sight. It was an incredibly vivid, vivid double rainbow. Uh, everyone on the bus was totally blown away because it was like, you've seen those Skittles commercials where, you know, they have the rainbows on them. It was more vibrant than the rainbows they show in those commercials. And it was two of them. So the bottom one went from red to violet, and the one above it went from violet to red. It looked really incredible. Unfortunately, by the time I got my camera out and ready to take a picture, because I wasn't sure how long it was going to last, because you know that rainbows are all dependent on your angle of the light and with the correct amount of humidity, moisture in the air. And so by the time I convinced myself I could take a photo, the top rainbow had really faded out, and you could only really see the bottom one, but it was incredible looking. Eventually got there, had a really... Uh, um, fortunate but crazy time because when I got there I then had to walk from the Greyhound bus station to the nearest bus slash train station in Colorado quickly figure out their ticketing system and how to get to where I was going because I had already printed things out in advance to take with me but you know brand new city that I'd only been to twice before, never rode the public transportation. Uh, so it was pretty crazy daisy. But I did figure it out. I got on the right train, went in the right direction, confirmed with someone else I was going the right way, transfer trains, and eventually got to my, my hotel in, in the right part of town. But it was crazy because when I did, uh, I was really hungry. And I noticed that there was lots of restaurants nearby, but it was late and, and they were pretty much all closed. And so I noticed this one restaurant and I decided to walk closer to go and uh, see if maybe they were open. And if they weren't, I could see what hours they were open and stuff. Turns out the cops were busting someone over there. And at first I, they thought that I was like part of it. And, and so they were suspicious of me, but I, I allayed their uh, concerns. And they gave me directions to my hotel, which I didn't need, but it did let me know I was on the right path. And unfortunately, the particular hotel I was staying at is all uphill from the train station with some pretty steep hills at various points. Eventually got there, though, and then hung a right and went down to the the uh, hotel. And uh, it was a very nice hotel. Uh, 
I mean, it's definitely no four-star or three-star hotel, but it was like an extended stay hotel of some kind, some some motel. Um, and it was okay service and all. A uh, couple of problems, however. Uh, first of all, they gave my room away. I had paid in advance. Uh, I registered online. They had my reservation and everything. But because of the torrential rains, a bunch of people just got off the road. Because it wasn't even bad in Denver. Like, other areas, it was bad, but not where I was, you know. And so they just booked the hotel solid. They gave my room away. So I had to sit in the lobby for over an hour before they finally went and gave me a room. And the room they gave me was their handicap room. And, and I hate the tubs in handicap rooms because they don't have a tub. It's just a flat floor. So the water from the shower just runs everywhere. You know, it's supposed to stay in there and go down the drain. It doesn't stay in there. Um, and so, you know, it was okay room. You know, it had a microwave, it had an oven, it had a range, it had a refrigerator, it had TV counters, it had bar stools. It had a couch, it had a table, it had a bed, it had lamps, it had a thermostat, you know, bathroom. It was pretty nice. Um, so I'm famished after this long bus ride. I decide to go and walk over to a nearby restaurant that I saw. Um, it was uh, IHOP. I think it was IHOP or an equivalent of an IHOP, but I'm pretty sure it was IHOP. So I go to walk over there. And in the meantime, since I'd been in the um, hotel, you know, it had been it had been humid out from all of the rain happening nearby. Uh, but, uh, you know, it had just been lightly drizzling earlier. Well, I was hungry, wanted to go to this restaurant, and I noticed it was raining. Well, I figured that was just going to be short, no problem, just light rain. Let's go ahead and walk over there. I was completely wrong. It was horribly thick rain. And by the time I got there, I was just drenched from head to toe in rain. It was so terrible that the people working brought over napkins so I could dry myself somewhat with the napkins. It was crazy. Also, it would be really nice if you two would, you know, say things when I pause waiting for reactions so it doesn't just sound like a monologue. It it is sounding like a monologue though. I'm but hearing the story for the first time. What do you want me to do? It shouldn't be a monologue. You guys should be like, "Oh man, that's crazy, MZ." No, no right, that's pretty. That's getting losing your bedroom is pretty pretty upsetting. Yeah, uh, that's really upsetting. Yeah. I, uh, so, anyways, after that, I, I had did my they meal. Did you any other benefits? Like, uh, I don't know. No, no, they didn't discount it. They didn't go and give me a free stay or anything like that. Um, as a matter of fact, just uh, cutting ahead, when I was done with my trip, I did a once-over in the room to make sure I had everything, but I really had to rush. And um, I knew I should have done a second once-over, you know, just uh, just to be safe, but I didn't, and I left a bunch of clothes there and it took me several calls to them to go and get them to send it out. And every time they were lying, saying that, oh, we just sent it out, or we have someone on that, or whatever. And finally, after enough calls, I got my stuff back. But by the 
the uh, postal date stamp on there, I could tell they'd been lying <laughs> and that they had paid extra to ship it out faster to try to make it seem like they had sent it out. But it was totally after I had had my last call with them, even though they said they'd sent it. Wow. So, yeah, it, it wasn't the best hotel customer service-wise, but it was still a nice place to stay. And actually, from the rain, I had developed a fever, but I could recognize the onset of it, and so I took care of it that first night by, you know, going to bed and staying at a comfortable temperature and stuff. And and uh, so it didn't get me sick, thankfully. So the next day was the first day of the convention. So I get up early to go to the convention because it's very exciting, and you're not going to sleep in for long anywhere. Uh, the day before, before I hit up my hotel and the restaurant, and I had gotten into town, I made sure to go to the convention hotel first because they were having their yearly sale. And see, what happens is, is that if you go in on Thursday, the day before the convention, you can pick up a lot of merchandise uh, at reduced prices, particularly stuff that's been from previous years. So, as is my way... I went and I bought a, uh, several convention shirts there. <laughs> uh, what I usually do is whenever I go to convention, I make sure to get a shirt from that year's convention, preferably one that says the year to keep as a memento. And um, so I got a Nandescon 2013 shirt. It was like 15, 20 bucks, I don't remember. Uh, but I also got ones from like the last three years before that. So I like have 2013. Uh, I think they were sold out of 2012 by the time I got there because it was like half an hour before they uh, were closing things down for the night. Uh, I got a 2011, 2010, and I think a 2009 shirt. Uh, plus some years they had multiple shirts and different styles. So I got those too. And the best part is, is that the shirt from the current year was full price. The shirt from the previous year was half price. The shirts from the year before that were all five bucks, and any shirts older than that were a dollar a piece. So I managed to go and get like five shirts for myself and five shirts for family members, all for like 40 bucks. So 10 shirts for 40 bucks. That's a good deal. Yeah, so, so I was pretty proud about that. They had other stuff there, too, like they had, like, uh, badge holders and lanyards and USB drives and water bottles and fans and stuff. But most of it was uh, more more expensive than I wanted to pay, though I picked up a few of those things, too, mainly for myself. Because if none of my family and none of my co-hosts are going to go, then they don't deserve any of it. And I felt a little bad, so I got them shirts anyway. Um not sure it's for you guys, though, because I had, you know, pretty limited funds, and uh, so I had to make sure I would have enough to make the whole weekend. Although now I feel a little bad, but but anyways, so I took care of all that the day before, and I picked up my press badge, and everything was all good in that regard. Although I was concerned that I wouldn't get there in time, but thankfully I did. So I was all ready to go for the next day, um, but because I was there as press, uh, I was able to have some press perks. And the NDK website is, like, totally inaccurate as far as the perks that go, because it was, like, written in 2009. And, <laughs> and yeah, things had changed. 
So some mm-hmm. of the stuff still held true, but like one of the things they were saying is, oh yes, we have a uh, a green room for press. So you can hang in there, you can write your blog posts and upload your files, you know, uh, you can chill out, have some snacks, have things to drink. Uh, no. <laughs> that was totally not the case, as that room was completely locked and not being used by the people throwing the convention. Um, and then another thing they had was they're saying, oh yes, we have this one part that's really excellent. It's on the second floor on a balcony. It's this room, it overlooks the lower floor. It's really great for shooting, uh, video podcasts and, and other video, uh, on there because you can see all these people going by. And no, that room was also not available, though you could, I suppose, go out on the balcony next to it, but the, you know, uh, balcony slash ledge to keep people back for safety's sake is pretty much obscuring the shot. So, you know, and Asa Radio is primarily a audio podcast, so it wasn't all that useful. But it would have been nice to have that room. Now, what had changed is that they had both their interview room and their so-called green room on the 10th story of the building, and the two rooms were next to each other. But apparently Nandescon has a hard time saying no to people who apply to be press because they had like 20 or 30 groups as press. Wow. That's yeah. A lot. Now, if you two recall, to get through everything that way. Yeah, if you two recall when we first did Nandescon back in 2001, we were able to schedule interviews that were like anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half long, and usually it was just us. Very few times where we had to share someone, and they're all nice, fat, long interviews, right? Yeah. Okay, this time around, no dice. Some of these interviews were like an hour long, half an hour long, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, and even worse is not only were they much shorter than the amount of time I was used to, but I would have to share them with like one or two other groups. They would be composed of like two, three, four, sometimes five people. And so it would take a long time to wait your turn and get another question in. And so it was really frustrating. And then when you had somebody that needed a translator, it took twice as long. So effectively, your interview time was cut in half. So like one interview I had... Uh, we, it was a Japanese guest. He was a character designer. He worked on, like, Sakura Wars. He worked on All oh My Goddess. He worked on um, You're Under Arrest. A lot of other famous anime. Uh, but I had to share the interview with, like, two or three other groups. And we had to go through his translator. So, effectively, it was, like, seven minutes of actual time where I was interviewing. <laughs> oh, man. So you, you probably got some pretty good questions in those seven minutes. Yeah, well, the problem was is that most of these people were just complete amateurs. They were foul-mouthed. They were asking totally irrelevant things. Like, there was this really bad guy there. Um, He did some sort of anime podcast or pop media podcast. I don't know what it is. But, like, all he could talk about was how much he, like, hated the voice actor Vic Manana. And he hated him because he had, like, morals and values, and he wouldn't do any role, and that he spent too much time talking about God and his church, and so on and so forth. And it's like, okay, I may not be the most religious guy, but 
seriously, you're going to hate on him because he's not going to do any role and that he loves God and he loves his religion. That's, you know, that's pretty bad to hate on a guy for those things. And, really? and, and not only that, but in the interviews that I was unfortunate enough to share with these people, he was asking the most asinine questions like, oh, do you watch South Park? Hey, did you see that, like, Costa Vida episode or whatever it was? And, and oh, no, I, I don't really watch that show. I don't know what that place is. And he was explaining how it was a real place in Colorado and how they have, like, waterfall divers and, you know, mariachi bands and, and other exciting stuff and bungee jumping and, and Mexican food and stuff. And it's like, oh, my God, this is so unprofessional. There's nothing to do with anime, manga, video games, Japan, or this guest in any way. And yet he's just going on and on. And instead of, like, asking questions and interviewing the guests, he's just talking, just talking about this dumb crap. And so it, it's just exasperating. Now, now there was some groups that were better, but uh, like I said, most of them, even if they were well-behaved, were amateurs, so they weren't really sure how to open an interview or handle questions. And a lot of times they would just like, at first they would, you know, none of us would really know much about each other, but I'd do introductions. I brought some business cards to hand out so that people could have them and I could get contact details and stuff. And um, But once we got in there, people, I, I mean, I, I'm not bragging here, but they were actually, like, kind of blown away by, like, how polished I was at this, like, you know, an expert at doing this, because I have done a lot of interviews for the show and a lot of talk radio. And so I was actually doing these interviews, and a lot of times the other interviewers were just, like, yielding the floor to me to ask questions and interview the people there because I was actually doing research in advance and being acquainted with the characters that the people played and the roles they'd done and the companies they'd worked for and the non-anime stuff that they had done and asking pertinent questions and insights and asking them stuff besides like, so, um, how'd you get into voice acting? <laughs> <laughs> actual stuff getting into the meat of things and asking, you know, deeper questions and stuff. Uh, and, and there was actually this pretty nice couple there. It was like a husband and wife uh, that did their podcast. Don't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but, um, you know, uh, the, it, it wasn't all sunshine and roses doing the interviews either because, you know, first I said, you know, well, um, the Nandescon people were like really, really, really late and getting their website updated with information about who was going to be there, and they kept having last-minute editions, which were getting later and later, and so it was really hard to know who was going to be there and in what capacity and how many days and when. And so at first I was like, you know, you know I was busy, and I was like, well, you know, I'd rather not talk with people that are just doing, you know, American comics or this or that, but I'd like to know, you know, the people that, that uh, you know, make the anime, you know, people that do the writing, the translation, the directors, the producers, the actors, that makes you know. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, basically it was people who make anime, video games, and manga, then voice actors and actresses, then people that, um, well, okay, before that, people who bring it out to America, then the voice actors and actresses, and then maybe if there's time, the other people, and then finally, like, musical guests. Because, not to be rude, but I find musicians tend to talk in a lot of abstract and don't have a lot of, you know, depth to what they say, because they're more about, like, the emotions of the music and stuff, so they don't make very good interviews. 
Um, well, when I said, well, after they got the schedule to me of people to interview, which, like, it was crazy, too, because I applied for press, and it was, like, two weeks before the convention, whether or not they said I got the press credentials or not. So, like, I was getting really anxious because it got past the date for pre-registrations, so I wouldn't be able to register in advance, and I know how crazy long those lines get to register at the convention, especially on Saturdays. Now, obviously, I would have been there on Thursday, and I would have had to buy it, but even on Thursday, the day before the convention, it probably would have taken 20 minutes to get through the line, and on Saturday, it's like two hours to get through the line to register, so didn't want any of that. So it got past that date, and I'm so grateful that I actually got in as press because if I had to buy it at the convention, it would have been an even worse night the first night there in Denver. Um, so then, anyways, I when they gave me the schedule, they emailed it to me in advance of the convention. I'm like, well, you know, I, I kind of want to be able to interview this person and this person and this person. And the lady comes back with, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry, but when you emailed us, you know, you said that you wanted to interview these certain types of people. I did my best to accommodate your schedule, and, you know, you're being kind of vague and stuff. And so, you know, I'm sorry, but these are really busy people, and, and we can't fit it in. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, look, you guys are the ones way behind the ball on getting your guests mentioned online. You know, I don't need write-ups. I just need to know who they are. I can do the rest of the research myself. And, and so, you know, a lot of it is their own fault. And a lot of the guests weren't even interviewed by anybody because they were so last minute. Nobody knew they were there except for literal photocopied handouts they had at the desk where you pick up your badge. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they didn't even have time to put them as an extra page in the middle of the guidebook. You had to go and pick it up from a separate pile of just photocopied pages mentioning, like, three more guests. So, you know... Nothing so like, has really slipped recently. Yeah, I, 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 you know, to fast forward a little bit, at the closing ceremonies... I saw a lot of people that were like big wigs, like on their board of directors or whatever the equivalent you would call for this nonprofit, and they were dressed in like the fanciest, most expensive suits I've ever seen. I'm not talking like, oh, men's warehouse, $89 suit or something. I mean like $300 or more per suit. And so obviously these guys aren't hurting for money, and then Descon keeps making and breaking its records for attendance. So I'm thinking that it's more about how many bodies they can get buying in than it is about quality control here. Yeah, I totally agree. So um, I said to her, you know, let me let me get some extra interviews, and she replied in this way. And so I felt that that was kind of, you know, rude and misunderstanding. Yes, I know I said that I wanted these certain people, but I would also, if these others had time, would like to get it scheduled in. So I felt she was being a bit rude in that way. And then later on, um, on a following day, on Saturday or Sunday, uh, I think it was actually Sunday, the dealer's room was closing down, right? There was like less than half an hour to go, but I had an interview at, um, at the top of the hour. So it was about 15 minutes away, and I had to choose interview or dealer's room. Interview or dealer's room. And, of course, in the dealer's room, when the dealer's room first opens, that's when you have the best selection. But when the dealer's room's about to close, 
that's when you have the best deals because they don't want to lug all that stuff back. It's more work for them, and so they're willing to discount things by quite a lot, even if it's like bundles or grab bags or whatever. And so I decided, screw it. I've been running around this whole convention interviewing people on a schedule I didn't even make, getting me up super early, wasting all my time on, on interviews when there's this is the time when all the best panels are. So I chose to go to the dealer's room instead. And so when I got up to the room to do the interview, I was like 15 minutes late. Or rather, I should say I'd been five minutes late, except what happened is then I went out to the elevators. And see, if I could have just done the dealer's room quick, bought my stuff, tossed it in my bag, gone to the elevator, gotten to the floor, gone there, I would have been about five to ten minutes late. But because of the lines at the elevators, they actually had to have Nandescon staff organizing people to try to maximize elevator loads. And even with three elevators, it took me 20 more minutes to get to the front of the line to ride the elevator to the top. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up being about half an hour late. And, you know, they they were talking to me like, oh, well, you know, if you're going to be late, you got to go and do this. And, you know, it's, you, know you should have showed up. And our guest, you know, he felt bad. Well, here's the thing. I was late, but they also gave me the wrong room to go to. And that was part of the problem. And there was another interview that was really early in the morning. And I think I got to that late, too. And, um... So, so pa- pass all the the bad pl- planning by the the community. How how was the con itself? I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I'm just. Well, I think our fans want to know that more than the, all the heartaches. They they don't want to hear about the heartaches. Well, they want the meat of the story. They might want the meat, but they're getting the fat and sinew too. Besides, I haven't been able to tell the whole story to anyone because nobody around here wants to listen to what I got to say. The fans will find this interesting. Dang it. And if they don't, I still want to say it. And that is, is that to one of the interviews, I was late, and they gave me the wrong room, and so I missed on that person. But the second time, which was on that last day, the person was understanding, and there wasn't enough room or time left anyways, so we didn't do the interview. So I felt that they did not handle this very well. They they just should have been less, oh, yeah, bloggers, come on in. Oh, you've only done three episodes on your podcast? Yeah, sure. Because, see, they don't just have press. No, they have two levels. Established press for people who have been doing it for a long time or work for a newspaper or whatever. And then they have emerging press. And so tons of people got in as emerging press. Now, in my mind, you should prioritize the established press and not give them equal share as the emerging press because most of these people are just fly by night and they're just going to do it for a year or two, get bored and do something else. And they're not good at conducting the interviews. What can I say? And most of them aren't even going to help, you know, advertise the convention well with their coverage. So it was very frustrating and I felt they weren't just giving me enough respect, especially when they were upset about me not being there on time. They're like, well, you should call or, or, or phone ahead and let us know. And it's like, I don't have a cell phone. The only internet connection I have is when I'm downstairs in the hallway in the hotel's free Wi-Fi, and even that is overloaded by all the people here at the convention. The only other place I can get free Wi-Fi is up here in the press room, and if I was here, I wouldn't have to tell you I'm late. I'd be there. So, it's pretty crazy. 
But all in all, I did have a good time, even if I was without friends and co-hosts, because it was all in all a good ceremony. So let's get started with our photos. Uh, like I said, DB3Z guy, I hope you follow along as well as our audience. Everyone can see these photos in the Artist Alley section of the NZ17 Productions website. And we are going to start with the opening ceremonies. Um, just going to go over this real quick, because uh, first they started off with their taiko drummers. And I've learned from my experiences at uh, Nandescon as well as the um, Nihon Matsuri in Salt Lake City that it is not a good idea to try to take photographs of taiko drummers because even in bright lighting conditions, they are drumming those drums so fast that you're going to get a lot of motion blur. Um, so I skipped taking photos of that, and Tycho, well, it, you know, pretty much always looks the same. Dudes wearing white headbands and vests, drumming on big orange drums. So anyways, looking at these photos, our MCs take the stage. The guy in red is actually a fellow person. I'm not sure if he was official press or not, uh, but he decided he wanted to get a really good photo, so he just scooted his butt right up there to the front of the stage, took a photograph. Um, anyways, they brought out the guests. There's uh, Jan Scott Frazier there. Um, you know, basically anyone who wants to can look through these. They just more or less bring out the guests. Um, photo number seven is actually interesting because the guy is dressed up as uh, Char from Gundam, but he's not just a cosplayer. He's actually the Japanese general consul for Denver. And as a way of connecting with the uh, uh, Japanese community, Japanese-American community, American community, and fans of Japanese pop media, and kind of as a goodwill gesture, he dressed up as one of his favorite characters from one of his favorite anime, uh, particularly as Gundam was in many ways one of the first serious anime meant not just for children but for adults. Uh, so kind of notable for that. Um, there's about eight pages here of the opening ceremony because I was uh, being a real uh, shutterfly there in the beginning. Um, uh, as we go along, various guests are introduced. They have their information on a projector there in the back talking about, you know, a photo of them, their name, some highlights from their career, shows they've played and important or noteworthy characters and stuff. Um, eventually we get here to a point where one of the uh, guests shows up, and he doesn't just show up and walk on the stage like the other ones do. He actually comes out with bags of starbursts, and he starts throwing the starbursts into the crowd of people, and even though it's just you know cheap candy, people are going crazy and grabbing at the candy and stuff. Actually makes kind of quite a mess there in the front row. Uh, front row is reserved for press and stuff, so... Thankfully, I had a lot of room, but there was a lot of candy in the way after uh, after he took the stage. Um, so, yeah, it's just pretty much all the introductions. And then I take some photos of the room showing how crowded it was in there and showing off some of the niceties they were doing. The, uh, the curtain behind them, the way they actually achieved this effect is that they were white triangles of fabric and a white curtain but they had uh, projectors showing the NDK logo on the triangles. And on the background, they I don't know 
how they did it, if they were using a computer or just a repeating pattern, but they played a pattern over the light, creating a water-like effect on the uh, back curtain there. So that was actually uh, pretty pretty effective and good to look at. Although it sure makes the uh, <laughs> it sure makes the variable bit rate go up when you're encoding videos. Okay, so moving on, uh, I actually have a video section for the first time ever from a convention. These are videos that I shot at the convention. Um, first with the MCs, then with the Consul General of Japan, then with a uh, voice actor named Tyson Reinhardt, and then the aforementioned Japanese guest, which I interviewed, named Hidenori Matsubara. Um, these aren't terribly long. They generally range from like a minute and a half for the longer ones to about half a minute for the smaller ones because I was running out of space on my device. Uh, I was using my... Uh, Samsung um, Galaxy Tab 2 7-inch Wi-Fi uh, Android tablet to record these. So that, in part, explains the quality. But for anyone interested in seeing the convention as though you were there, you can download these. They're in MPG4 format in uh, the 3GPP dialect. Um, about 137 megabytes for some. Others are only about 50 and uh, they're in 720p, so they look pretty good. So, NZ, here's a question for you. With everything you did at the, the convention, what would you say the top, the top, the top um, favorite thing was? That is a great question, which I will answer at the end during our Q&A segment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll get to it later, though, because I'm not going to take too much longer with these because, uh, well, the show's getting long, and it's getting late for some of you. Um, so, moving on to the cosplayers real quick. We've got some interesting ones. Unlike the opening ceremonies, I went in and provided captions for all of these. Uh, first two are Daft Punk cosplayers. It was funny because when the stage uh, opening ceremonies got started, the MCs brought them up and thanked them for their music, even though they weren't the real Daft Punk, but they had some really impressive outfits that were actually hooked up with the electronics. Uh, Third photo there is an Inuyasha cosplayer who was talking with one of the bigger wigs at the convention. Uh, we have an excellent Dr. Eggman cosplayer. Um, he's actually, he has suspenders on a, an Eggmobile that he made out of like uh, paper mache or, or parts or whatever. The light actually lights up and, uh, and he was a really great fun guy. We exchanged contact information um, and he has a, um, uh, he had been there the previous year at Nandescon, and when I saw his photo when doing, you know, some research in advance, I was like, oh, man, if I see that guy, I'm totally taking his picture. The convention hadn't even started yet, or uh, I guess it was the first day, but I took his photo, and, and I'm really glad I did. Uh, next to Hilarious for Animal Crossing players, K.K. Slider in an Animal Crossing villager, the K.K. Slider guy actually had speakers hooked up and stuff with music playing from the game. The villager guy was, like, dancing around, and eventually, like, a bunch of people were all, like, moving, like, the characters dance in the game. It was, it was really fun. Um, then we got another group. I don't know most of the characters in that. Got a full metal guy. Got another guy. I don't know the series he's from. Uh, we've got a, a Hatsune Miku cosplayer. Don't know why she had a bandana on, so I call her my bandito. Um, 
Or maybe Zoro. I don't know. So we got some other cosplayers. We got a Ken and Ryu. We got some Full Metal Homoculi cosplayers. We got Pokemon. We got Zelda. Uh, we even got some non-anime stuff in there. But I thought their costumes were worth photographing. Princess Mononoke. We got Avatar The Last Airbender. Here's one for you, DB3. This guy showed up as Quellman from the classic cartoon American series Doug. Uh, we got Proto Man from Mega Man. We got Phoenix Wright, and we have uh, Luffy from One Piece. We got uh, Eris from Final Fantasy VII. We have a gangster Luigi. A um, couple of other characters. I wasn't sure who they were, but I took their photos because they were good. Um, got Vice from Skies of Arcadia. Got a Surfbot, Frank West character. We got uh, Soul Eater. We got Boy Half and Girl Half, Romna One Half cosplayers. We got a link, and finally, and I saw this guy wandering around after the show had concluded, but his costume was so great, I actually made it the highlight for the album, which was a, a orc from Dragon Quest. And his costume, full body, head, everything. It was actually quite a bulky costume. He had a spear. It was, it was really good. Um, just covering the rest of these, because the rest of these are really short photo galleries. Um, first, the balcony one. That one goes and shows the, um, the, uh, they have a contest at Nandescon. If you stay at the hotel, certain rooms have balconies that overlook a central atrium. And so they have a balcony decorating contest for whoever has, as it sounds, the, the best decorated balconies. Uh, and if you win, you get like free attendance to the following year's convention. Um, some of the stuff in these are really great. You can see, like, there's one that has Domo-kun from NHK. One has Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Another one has Plants vs. Zombies. One was decorated with Power Rangers cutouts. Another one with Mega Man sprites. Uh, another one with, uh, like, these ghosty spirit things. I weren't sure what they were from. And others are just really nice shots I got that helped to lay out the area well. Um, couple from panels that I attended or halls. One was about bootlegs and how to spot it. Um, but uh, they were having lots of technical problems and it took them like, like literally it was 10 minutes before the end of their scheduled time when they finally got the video screen working. So, so most of what they did was not so much the show but the tell and, and half of the time was taken up by them trying to get it to work. Um, so I didn't really stay long at that because when I was chiming in with stuff, they, they more or less wanted to run the show and not have audience contributions. So some of these are of the atriums, just showing how crowded it is and how many people are there. And that's just the first night. It was crazy on Saturday, really big lines. They actually reached their hotel fire safety cap. And so they literally could not let anyone else in to the hotel on Saturday. Uh, final picture there is the handouts table with various flyers and coupons from whoever wants to lay them out there. Just uh, some interesting stuff there, including a coupon for uh, discounts on boba drinks. And I'm a big fan of boba drinks, but unfortunately the place was too far away from the convention to get there by foot or uh, train or bus. Uh, and it was crazy. I tell you, when I was at that convention, I was pretty much living on dry snack crackers. <laughs> And maybe eating uh, fast food once or twice a day and drinking water pretty much exclusively. That's how shoestring budget this trip was. 
And without a car, you kind of got to eat on the go anyway. Um, so, yeah, this brings us to the closing ceremony and the charity auction. They had lots of nice stuff, expensive stuff. Um, they were going and auctioning things off uh, for really high sums of money. Uh, the auction, as it says, is for charity, and it went toward an anti-bullying auction to raise awareness and try to stop bullying. Uh, they raised a lot of money. The auction went on for about two hours. I was only able to catch the last half of it because, as I said, they scheduled all my interviews from, like, 9 to 5 every day, and that's when the best panels were. So I don't have a lot of pictures from good panels because I wasn't able to attend a lot of good panels. It just um, ended up where we had to to just be going and going and going to interview after interview, and it eventually ended up where I, I got to see very few of the panels I wanted and next to none of the anime. And anyways, real quick, I'm going to interrupt my, my coverage of this because it is getting super late where uh, we have DB3, and he has three young daughters, one of which is only like one day old. So, <laughs> DB3, uh, I am going to go ahead and excuse you from the rest of the episode. Uh, Z Guy and I will wrap this up since there is a two-hour time zone difference in our favor. So, go ahead and say your goodbyes real quick, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. All right, peace out, guys. Great 15 years. Hope to have another great 15 years at ASO Radio Fans. Well, hopefully we can uh, schedule some more time here. Uh, with uh, uh, future episodes of um, you guys being on here, maybe do it once a week. Now that we have some of the technical things hammered out, hopefully we can get it all better managed uh, next time. Uh, so I'll be in contact with you guys, see about going and doing uh, future episodes in the next week slash month. Let's see, we got a little message here from Z Guy. Uh, ooh, has a really early work schedule. And a migraine. So I'm going to go ahead and let you say your piece, and uh, I'll finish coverage of this uh, convention and wrap up the episode after you say goodbye. So go ahead, the guy. Hey, guys. I appreciate you listening in. Um, yeah, I've kind of uh, getting... Uh, a little under the weather here, plus i got to get up in just a few hours. So thanks for listening in. This is Z Guy. I uh, love you guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Well, thank you very much, DB3 and Z Guy. Um, listeners, I, am, I think I am not alone in saying that I am very pleased that uh, these two gentlemen were able to join us, and perhaps in the uh, following weeks we will get them back and possibly T-Man as well. Um, so I salute both of you co-hosts for managing to be on the show. Uh, in the meantime, though, let's go ahead and wrap up this convention. Um, so as I was saying, um, just tons and tons of interviews, and it was just crazy because it wasn't worth going to them. There were some really great people I got to interview at points, but unfortunately I didn't have enough time to interview any of them in great enough quantity to make it worthwhile. And, um, the you know, I was recording it on my tablet, and it sounded nice initially, but it didn't really work out well with the arrangement of chairs and tables in the interview room. And so the audio quality is at all sorts of various volumes, 
and and so it, it was not so. And a lot of the questions asked were irrelevant or irreverent. And in, in order to put them online, it would take a lot of editing. And, and in many cases, I'd have to edit out most or all of what the other people there conducting interviews would be. And so that's why I haven't uploaded anything interview-wise to the show from Nandescon 2013. And it, it ran me ragged going and doing all of the various this and that at the convention with the interviews, which were, I swear, just this gauntlet from 9 to 5 every day. And there was a mandatory press meeting on Saturday and an optional one that was on Sunday. And it just took a ridiculous amount of time away that I could have been enjoying better. So I think next time I go to the convention, instead of going and marching to the drum of someone else, I will go ahead and just either not register as press and just do things on my own, make my own schedule just off the cuff, maybe snap a few photos, or maybe I just won't, uh, I will go as press, but I'll do like the bare minimum, so I'll just go to the Saturday meeting, I'll skip the optional Sunday meeting, um, in advance I'll say yes, schedule me for the press box seating area um, for this event, this event, and this event, and that way I can get in on the big events that I want to cover, most of which though I don't, because opening ceremonies, it's always the same thing, closing ceremonies, always the same thing, you've got a lot of people uh, in cosplay at, at the dances and the raves, you know, like the masquerade, and, and uh, of course, the, the competitions with the costumes and the skits, but it's low light, it doesn't photograph well, and, and I'd need a camera, I'd need to take something with a much bigger aperture that does optical zoom, and I'd need a tripod, so it's just bad conditions, and without all of that stuff, I'm not really going to get good photos at those. So I think in the future, I'll just do as I often do at conventions, but um, I'll just photograph people as they're walking around in their cosplay, or one of the best times, ironically, is to take their photos in when they're in those massive, massive lines waiting to get into the green room and the pre-screening room for the cosplay conventions because it's just all these cosplayers in costume out there and you can get lots and lots of shots. So no real need to even go into those hot, sweaty, and oftentimes because of all the people in there, stinky uh, rooms for those skits and and, and uh, costume competitions. You can see almost everybody just out there waiting in line. And as far as interviews go, well, I'll just, I'll just have them go and give me press seating at the Q&A panels that various guests do and uh, ask a few questions there if I can. If not, catch the guests on the way out, exchange business cards, contact details will be on there, and then I can schedule a uh, live audio interview with them on Skype uh, using Clownfish, which lets you record Skype calls, or another, you know, voice-over-the-Internet solution, uh, such as Google Hangouts or whatever. You know, we'll see, we'll see. Um, so I, I just think in the future I'm just going to have a very different approach because I, I missed out on some really, really great panels. Uh, there was a Sailor Moon panel. Didn't get a go with that. I think uh, there were some Full Metal Alchemist uh, panels going on. Didn't get that. Lots of anime I wanted to see. Nope, sorry. We got you scheduled to interview a bunch of people. Um, so it just it really didn't work out. And, and yes, I realized that once... Nandescon gets started on Friday. It just goes 24 hours a day until it closes down at 5 p.m. on Sunday. 
But the problem is, is that the more, shall we say, adult-centered entertainment and panels happen later at night. So you have people using a lot of, of you know, foul language, you know, swearing, cursing, um, describing things in explicit manners, uh, whether it's violent things or uh, alcohol or sexual things or, or just things that you'd rather not know about people. Um, and so since there's, you know, these more, shall we call them, extreme events, which require people to be carted at the door, you got to be 16, got to be 18, um, and based on what I could hear from the outside of these, I didn't want to go on the inside. And uh, going to the screening rooms is often not an option either because they had one. They had one room that was just airing Japanese movies. Like, they weren't animated movies. They were live-action movies. But, you know, that shuts down earlier than the other ones. It doesn't go 24 hours. And the anime rooms, uh, those, I believe, all went 24 hours. But they're playing... I don't know if you'd want to call it, um, you know, uh, uh, pornography or hentai or etchy, but, but let's just say there was stuff in them that made me feel rather uncomfortable, particularly seeing them in a group with a lot of people uh, present in the room. So, yeah, so the anime wasn't really an option either. Most panels die out after a certain hour, so it's just the video rooms. The only other options you have is, like, the DDR gaming room, but uh, that's another one that um, doesn't go all night. And so that, that does leave, um, like, the tabletop gaming, but they also close up. So the only other thing besides the video rooms for anime that go 24 hours are the... Um, video game room, and they had a really nice video game room, you know, they had pachinko machines set up, they had uh, PS3s and Xbox 360s with various fighting games and other things of that nature, they had a bunch of um, um, other older consoles set up like Dreamcast and others with certain games on them, uh, and they even had a table area with booths and chairs and stuff, uh, Funny enough, I actually got up because this one group that was over in that area was really annoying me and pestering me. Like, they were flinging balloons everywhere and, like, shooting balloons. And, and not, like, shooting balloons with guns, but, I mean, like, they were uh, stretching balloons and shooting them at each other and letting balloons go. And so I got up and moved, and eventually I left the room, but I didn't realize that when I moved one of those times, my tablet fell out. And so, oh, my gosh, I was so like, worried about it and thinking, oh, oh, where'd it go? Did someone steal it? Did Where did I lose it? And checking all these rooms and whatnot. Thankfully, what turned out is somebody found my tablet rather quickly and turned it into the lost and found, but they turned it into the hotel's lost and found and not the, the con operations room, con ops. Um, and so I checked with them, and they didn't have it, and I was looking all around. And finally, I had the idea to check with the hotel lost and found to just see even if they had a lost and found. And they did, and one of the security guys came out, and I had put a lock on the device. Because even if I had lost the device, I had the serial number written down, description written down. So I would have been able to, you know, file a lost item claim with the hotel or the police. But thankfully, they found it. He wanted me to prove that I owned it by unlocking device, and I did. Uh, by entering in my, you know, past sequence. And um, so I got my tablet back, thank God. Um, but the gaming room was pretty nice. It was air-conditioned. They had lots of fans. Um, but 
while I would have loved to stay in the gaming room and at least get in some enjoyment from that with socializing from my fellow fans, um, sadly, 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 I was not able to for very long because of the convention having me scheduled nine to five interviews on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Um, thankfully, Saturday was the least interview heavy. I actually only had two interviews on that day, so it wasn't literally nine to five. But Saturday and Friday were just a back-to-back gauntlet where there was really very few times where there was a break. And by the time all the interviews were over, it would be five o'clock, and you know you'd be hungry. And all the good panels were more or less over, and I couldn't stay at the gaming rooms because I had to get up so early to get ready in time to get from my hotel, take the train, go to the convention, and be there in time for the press mandatory meetings, optional meeting, and the interviews that I just couldn't stay up all that late. So very little sleep on a couple of those nights, but thankfully the excitement kept me going. Um, I actually did host a meetup at the event which I called the Seasoned Anime Fans Meetup, uh, which was for anyone that was a fan of older anime. You know, anime released, let's say, before the year 2000. Um, so, you know, we weren't going and segregating by age, but, you know, the easiest way to have seen anime that old is being, like, 25 or older. But everyone was welcome to be there as long as they were interested in talking about anime from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and maybe a little early 2000s. I uh, didn't have a big group there because I got notified of my press credentials so late, and I kept having people flake out on me that I'd been asking to go, um, that by the time I could confirm that I was going to be there and, and have it, um, it was too late to go and get on their official, like, printed-up list of meetups, and it didn't even get on their whiteboard, so I had to go and, like, print out some pages or get some paper and write around with a big, um, as best I could with just a ballpoint pen, a sign saying, you know, seasoned anime fan meetup. And I tried to get people out on the balcony and stuff, but, well, it was a good spot, and there were no other meetups scheduled there because there was lots and lots of groups having meetings at various points at the convention, you know, they weren't panels, they weren't video showing, it was just fans of a particular uh, show or series or creator meeting up and having a good time talking about their favorite stuff. Some of them, like, it was just for people in cosplay, others were, you know, come and cosplay if you want. Um, and so I had this group of just fans of older anime, and, uh, you know, some people were, like, in their uh, 50s, some in their 60s, some in their 40s, had one guy who was maybe 23, can't remember. Um, he was really tired, though, and really out of it, and he didn't know a lot of the anime we were talking about. But, you know, we, we talked a little about everybody's anime that they wanted to talk about. We were talking about some great old stuff from the 80s and 90s and some stuff that's not so great, but pretty memorable because of how, like, bad or how crazy it was. And uh, that was actually a pretty good time. We had to change where our meeting was a few times because it started to, like, rain really bad outside. Then it stopped, so we were like, okay, but then it picked up again, and, like, another group was meeting out there, and, and people were getting a little bit annoyed by how loudly we were talking. But, you know, we were outside, and, and so I don't really see a problem with that. And there was this crazy thing, like, just crazy stuff was happening this whole convention, like, there was uh, the floods that happened that I mentioned earlier, uh, but also there was a 
a point where they had to evacuate the whole building. All the people had to be evacuated because there was a fire uh, scare. Turned out that um, they didn't go and have a uh, fire. What had happened is a very foolish fan had not yet finished her cosplay. So she decided to finish it up in her hotel room. Her hotel room was at the convention hotel. And what she was doing, and I forget whether it was hairspray or if it was spray paint, but I believe it was spray paint, and she was spraying her costume parts on uh, inside the hotel, inside her room, with the door closed, because, of course, it was against the rules to do this in the first place. Um, but also, uh, well... Let's just say that she found out the other reason, which is that the chemicals released by the spray paint are the same chemicals released by fire, and so much built up into her room from spraying it with the door closed, and I think even the windows were closed, that by the time she opened it, it was in great enough concentration that the quantities set off the fire detectors in the hotel. So they evacuated the whole place, and and they, they eventually figured it out and brought everybody in. And it was actually pretty incredible because they were able to get out, uh, like, uh, 5,000 people, uh, plus the hotel's people, plus Nandescon's people, uh, make sure everybody was out, check the hotel and get everybody back in, and it was less than an hour. It was, like, around half an hour to do all of that. So it, it was pretty awesome uh, that they were able to do that. But then at another point, a lady, she ended up having a, a seizure on stage for uh, some condition that she had, um, and she had to be rushed to the hospital. And it happened during the cosplay contest or the cosplay skit contest. And so that, you know, that really put a damper on that event. Thankfully, though, it turned out that even besides the seizure and hitting her head on the on the hard um, platform when it happened, she she was okay. She had to be hospitalized, but it was nothing, you know, super serious. She did just fine, recovered just fine. Um, so it 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 was, it was crazy events happening at the convention. And so if I didn't get to do everything I wanted to do, that was part of it. Because when we were having the meeting, that's when the fire drill thingy happened. Was was around that time. But eventually, we, we, we just carried our meeting on out there, and then when everybody came back in, I took it to another quiet spot that was out of the way, and we were able to conclude the meeting. But, you know, various people had to go because they had kids or they had grandkids or, or they needed to leave the convention. Um, but, it, but it was a fun little meetup, even if it was only about five people. And if I was able to go to NandesCon this year, I would totally do that again because that 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 seasoned anime fans meetup was was super fun. Uh, just reliving memories and talking about all the anime and manga that used to be talked at these conventions, but because of their age, generally aren't talked at anymore. But but on the plus side, I was able to go to not the three, you know, old folks anime panels that I wanted to, but I did get to go to one that was hosted by one of the um, anime retailers that was present at the convention, where they were talking about, you know, what it was like to go to anime conventions in the 80s and 90s, and how, you know, back then a big convention had, you know, a few hundred people, even though now, you know, like Anime Expo has much, much more than like 10,000 people per year that attend. Um, but, uh, yeah, and even going so far back where, like, uh, 
like they were talking about how everybody made a really big deal because this particular convention they were at was the first time an anime convention had ever recorded a hundred people or more in attendance and how this other anime convention were claiming they did it first and you know there was this disagreement about well do you just count paying people or do you also uh, count volunteers do you count the people that you know work for the convention and, and that was a really great panel and they were also showing like clips from older anime and from older anime music videos it was a lot of fun really good times but um any which way uh i had a lot of fun but i won't be able to afford to attend this year um the way things are looking especially if i win that aforementioned election i should definitely be attending NANDESCON next year. So if there's any listeners that would like to meet up, I will be there next year. And if everything goes well, I think I might just have an ASO radio slash NZ17 Productions fan meetup there at the convention. So I'm not just meeting with my fellow seasoned anime fans, but with fans of the show and those who just might be interested to uh, know a little bit about it. And unlike in the past, where we used my laptop computer to record a live show when I was there with with um, uh, DB3. I can't remember if that was the 2005 show or the 2001 show, but we actually did record a live episode of ASA Radio. But when we carried my laptop out of there, because we had to hurry because there was this other convention, and we're like, no, 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 we want to get in and set up. So we, we quickly got out as fast as we could. But when I closed my laptop lid, it suspended the laptop, and so when I opened it back up, the screen woke up, but it wouldn't respond to keyboard and mouse. And so I remembered a bug that the software had, and the only way to get it going is if I had a keyboard or mouse I could plug into it, but I couldn't find any anywhere, and so there was no way to save the recorded live episode, which was such a shame because it was the first time we had ever done a live episode at a convention and recorded it with, you know, fans and, you know, people that were new to the show. And so it was a real shame. But we did manage to get some interviews done anyways, even if we did lose the episode. Ah, good times. So, yeah, hopefully I'll be there at NDK 2015, which will actually officially be 10 years after the um, 2005 time I went there, 14 years after the 2001 time. Oh, my gosh, right? Um, but, um, But, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to meet you fine listeners at that convention and I should be able to do it in style car will be working stay at a nicer hotel one that won't lose my clothes or rather take forever to send them back to me That I, because I got most of my clothes just, just uh, about five pieces of clothing I didn't which was really awful because they were like three of my favorite anime shirts and and ones that were out of print so you couldn't get replacements anywhere there there was one that was um romna one half with romna kane and um shampoo uh and and that's an official north american biz media one another one was a uh, farinkin high uh shirt uh it said farinkin high athletic department uh referring to the school that romna goes to in romna one half and the third shirt, I think, was a furry curry, fully coolie shirt, um, or, or another one of my favorite anime shirts. So thank God I was able to, you know, kick the butt of that hotel and get them to send me my clothes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'll even stay at the hotel where the convention is. You know, maybe we'll have, like, a room party, or at the very least, it'll be a lot more convenient. With my car, I can hit up all the restaurants and other places I want to go that are nearby. 
stay as late as I want at the convention, because thankfully Denver actually has trains running 24 hours a day. They just get less frequent as it gets later. Um, but uh, but with a car, much more convenient, and uh, you don't have to worry about waiting for a train or dangerous characters that might show up. But i got to say, Denver has a really nice public transportation seat, uh, system, and except for once where I was panicking because my stop was coming up and the ticket checker was long, but I never had my ticket checked, and it was just tossed in with all these other tickets I had because I was just keeping them because I guess I figured why throw them away. Um, uh, but thankfully, he knew the system better than I did and that you could push a button to extend how long the train was there by a little bit, and he had the authority to do that, so... It went really well. It was actually a really nice bus and train system. Although there was this one bus I kept trying to catch to get to the train, but I was always missing it because it was, like, on the weirdest schedule. It wasn't, like, you know, every 15 minutes or every half hour or every hour. You know, it wasn't, like, on the hour or on the half hour. It was just crazy times and only certain hours. Um, but I did, you know, it was good public transport. And so if if I, I don't have the car totally willing to take the boat, the the transport they have there at the convention uh, well, at Denver. Um, and funny enough, when I took the Greyhound bus back to my hometown, um, it, it, it was it was crazy because I was just running and running and running. And that's why I missed the, the – well, all right, here, I'll just finish up with these closing ceremony photos real quick. They auctioned off a bunch of stuff, but they kind of seemed like they had lost their esteem for it, and so they just – kind of finished up real quick. But you can see some of the stuff on the tables in the photos I took. Then they set up for the closing ones, and there was, you know, it was pretty light on the number of people that were at the closing ceremonies compared to the opening ceremonies and other panels. But by that point, like, the the closing ceremonies were, like, the last thing going. Everything else had shut down, and I think the gaming room might have been going during the closing ceremonies, but before the closing ceremonies were over, they were already packing up all the hardware from the game room. So I, I had intended to go back there and hit up some of the coin-op machines because they actually had stand-up coin-operated arcade machines that you could play that were set on free play. But alas, I just didn't have the time, and they uh, were they had actually already stored the coin-op machines in the room the closing ceremonies were, were in, so they were all unplugged, and I was sad. Um... But, uh, yeah, the convention was pretty much dead at that point, so everybody was just either hanging out in the hotel's lobby or in the halls, or they were at the closing ceremonies. Uh, most of the guests came up on stage, but many of them had already left because they had to be back to work on Monday, so there just wasn't really the option of having them out there. Uh, but everybody w- seemed really happy to be at the convention. Some people had been here many, many years, like Jan Scott Frazier. Other people, this was their first convention, and uh, they seemed to all have a really good time. Uh, the Japanese guests kept making jokes about the rain and, and, and like, how uh, maybe next time he can have that good mountain sunshiny weather he here Denver has, and uh, people kept laughing at that joke. Um <laughs> but but it was a good time. I I I actually enjoyed myself. It it was dampered because I didn't have Z guy there or T man or DB three or any of my other co-hosts or friends, and uh, none of my family members could make it out either. And it was just that short group meetup, and only during that time. So it could have been a lot better had I had more friends and maybe some things that were on the schedule get more people attending. But it, it still was a good time and a nice break and vacation, even if it was very hectic and I had to do all those interviews and miss out on lots of panels, um, but a good time was had, and and uh, on the way back, I was just 
rushing, rushing, rushing because I had to get up late and my shower delayed me and there was all this craziness and and I got to the bus, uh, well, the train station, but I didn't do that second double check. All I had to do was literally turn around and look behind me and I would have seen all the clothes out there on the counter behind me, but I didn't. So that's how the whole clothes thing happened. Um, most of the time I actually ended up eating at Wendy's because it was the only place close and oh my gosh, that Wendy's makes so much money during that time that it is ridiculous. But I did find out there was a McDonald's on the other side of the train track so I could just walk the walk over path because um, there's this, this um, God, what is it called? An, an overpass just for pedestrians and bicyclists and stuff. Uh, well, you're not supposed to ride your bike, but people do. Um, and so if I went on that other side, I could actually go down some roads. And it's much further away than the Wendy's, but it was open late and 24-hour drive through. So, you know, the, I will definitely keep that in mind next time. Um, but, uh, yeah, mainly Wendy's and, and snack crackers, you know, peanut butter ones and stuff. It's crazy. And because my family wanted these tote bags that Nandescon was giving away, but only if you made donations of, of food to the, the local food pantry. <laughs> I, I had to go and get, um, like mac and cheese and stuff that I bought from a, from a grocery store that was on the way to the train station in order to go and get these bags. And so it was just kind of crazy and silly because I'm doing everything by walking to places and taking trains. So I got this big old backpack just filled with the essentials for the day. And so I hear the ch from the boxes of mac and cheese in there. And I felt really silly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did get to eat at that, uh, you know, it wasn't all fast food because I did get to eat at that uh, breakfast place. Um, and uh, there, there was Greek restaurants and other good-looking stuff. I did get a pizza, actually, from a place called Blackjack's Pizza. Apparently, there are lots of places in different parts of the world called Blackjack's Pizza. I thought it might have had to do with the chain that I knew, but it didn't. But it was still good pizza, and, and they were nice people, even if the, the place itself was a bit dingy and wasn't all that friendly. But I enjoyed the pizza. It was a good time. And after that initial day of flooding, it was pretty good weather. Um, had to totally rush out on that, on the last day, uh, Monday to go and catch my train. Um, and, and I was just sweating bullets and, and I got to the train, but I wasn't sure if it was my train or not. And it actually was my train, but I didn't, I didn't get on it if memory serves me right. So I took the next train <laughs> and, and, uh, thankfully though, I did manage to go and get to the next section and take another train and get there on time. And I hooked it over to the Greyhound bus station to take back to town. Um, and I got there in plenty of time. Saw an arcade game I never saw before. Took a picture of that with my tablet. And while I was there in plenty of time, the bus got there really early. And apparently Greyhound doesn't, like, wait around for its departure time. And so I couldn't sit around or rest for long. I, I just had to ask. A few questions, uh, I heard on the speaker my bus was there, so I was going to get some food at their cantina, but uh, no can do, so uh, I had to put a, a no thanks on that uh, food and passed on buying some merchandise I was thinking, so I just bought the postcards I had, ran over to the bus, got on board. Horribly, though, on the Greyhound bus back, there was this awful woman, oh my gosh, she was just, uh, she was stupid, and she was just 
filled with these horrible prejudices, and she was a smoker, and she was a drinker, and she was looking for every opportunity to smoke, but you can't smoke on the bus. So she was smoking whenever else we could. When there was little breaks, and you know, the, you would smell it when you went by, and the bus would bring it in through its, you know. It, it, she was a pretty terrible person, and then she was like reading something, like she she reads just these horrible books. But on this particular bus ride, she was reading this this comedy of sorts, and she was just laughing out loud so loud, and it was just this like witch laugh, and it was really distracting. <laughs> but but the other bad part is that the seats were faux leather seats, and sitting on those for seven hours, oh, it gave me a rash. It was really uncomfortable. Didn't even realize that it was a rash until I got back home. But my oh my. So if I go on the buses again, since some of them have those breathy, those cloth seats that breathe really well, but others have faux leather, and, and some are older buses, some are newer, I'm going to bring like a, a little blanket or a little towel or something and lay it on the seat because I do not want to go through that again. It, even if it wasn't for the rash, it was just really uncomfortable because it was just so hot and sweaty from, you know, often being in the sunshine and, and that it's just not a good material for long trips. Um, and, of course, the air conditioning wasn't cold enough to go and keep the sweat at bay. So it was a good trip, though. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I got to uh, meet a lot of people, um, you know, like that Robotnik character, the guy dressed as Dr. Eggman, um, and, and it was really fun. So if you can go to Nandescon, I do recommend it. I didn't have as much fun as I did when I went the first time with DB3 and Z-Guy. Didn't have as much fun as when I went in 2005 with just DB3 because, you know, friends make things better, right? Um, well, as long as they're not dirty, rotten, backstabbing friends, obviously. But uh, generally, friends make things better, such as when you're in a fun social atmosphere like an anime convention. Um, so, yes, I, I definitely had a good time. And if I was going to give an ASO Radio recommendation to uh, my uh, trip to NDK 2013. Um, there was some pros, there was some cons, so it wouldn't get a top recommendation. Um, and it didn't seem as, as professional or quality control as it did when I went to it in the past. And they've really outgrown their hotel. Um, but unfortunately, their contract with the hotel doesn't expire until like uh, 2015 or 2016. So they got another two years at that hotel. But they really need a bigger space because even for holding their um, autograph sessions and um, Q&A panels with some of the guests, they already had a second nearby overflow hotel for those sort of things to be conducted. at. So obviously, they are in quite need of a bigger, better venue. Um, which I understand it's a really great hotel. They've been there for 10 years. Um, it, you know, they know the place, they know the staff, uh, good amenities, and so on and so forth. Although I have to say, on that last day when the hotel started cleaning up things after the final panels were over, they were really quite rude because I was just hanging in the lobby. I was doing street pass with my Nintendo 3DS because, man, there was so much street pass going on. I was, like, completing puzzles left and right in street pass. Um, uh, me Plaza with the puzzle swap, and I was just flying through all of the Street Pass games, and it really got to the point where, since I cared most about the puzzle swap things, because, you know, other things, you know, you can buy in with play coins to, you know, do this or do that, but with puzzle swap, you can only pick the pieces um, if it's through a Street Pass. If you spend play coins, you don't get a pick. If it's from a Spot Pass, you don't get a pick. It, it only... 
you can only do it through Street Pass. And so I was just like, all right, forget it then. I ain't got enough time for all these other games. So I was just hitting up that Street Pass, and as soon as I would clear it out, I'd, like, get the 3DS light flashing, indicating there was more. So that was really great. Well, at the end of the convention, you know, I needed to cool down, wind down, hanging out at the hotel lobby. And, like, they wanted to clean, and they were all rude about it because the – it, it wasn't the same people that were there when I got my tablet back. They were really nice and friendly, even though the security was a bit intimidating. Um, no, it was like this hotel guy, a little, you know, as the phrase goes, pissant, who, who's like, hey, you guys, uh, are you here for the convention or, or something like that? And then he was like, well, whether you're here for it or not, you guys need to clear out because we got people cleaning and they're going to need to clean over here. Well, all the cleaning stuff was far away from us. They were like, like 300, 400 feet at least down the hallway closest to us, and in the other area where they have their bar and and uh, where the uh, fan, uh, what do they call that, the artist alley was, um, they were busy cleaning there. Nowhere near us, but he still made all of us clear out. And there was this fat, rude guy that was among the people there. I, I said to him, hey, man, thanks for the street passes, you know, kind of like, ha, ha, ha. You don't have to do anything conscious to set it up, and he's like, eh. You know, like, oh, my God, what an immature guy. I can't believe he said that. Um, so, you know, there there was a bit of rudeness here and there. Um, but, you know, I had a pretty good time. So not top recommendation, not highly recommended, but definitely recommended. And if I can get out there again, but this time do it in style, maybe have a couple of friends along, might give it a highly recommended or top recommended in the future, especially if they can get to a venue which can better go and uh, suit their size, as going and capping it on certain days is just cutting off revenue they could otherwise get and uh, certainly limits the convention's funding, but also that means it limits what's on tap for attendees at the convention. So, yep, I give NDK 2013 a recommended. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, boils and girls, we have reached the end of our show that is meant for otaku of all ages. DB3 and Z-Guy have both shuffled off to bed due to family and work obligations and time zone differences requiring that they leave early. So, on behalf of the absent T-Man777 and the early to leave but still put in a great showing and dealt and were tolerant with the technical difficulties we had today, Z-Guy and DB3... And, of course, for myself, NZ17, I thank all of you, Otaku, for turning in to yet another episode of ASO Radio. Hope to see you all next time.